Flyover Politics Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see. Take you a look at my record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. The war, I mean, come on. Take a look at the record. Now, I've been critical of you. Um, I, I have a few things I want to talk to you about. This. I know you have. Yeah. You don't know me. No, I don't. That's why I want to get to know you today. I want to get to know you today. Um, I want to talk to you about mostly black stuff. I get overwhelming support from the black leadership, young and old. Every poll shows me way ahead. And black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They have things they want from you. And one of them is a black woman running mate. What, what do you say to them? What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. We've seen it more clearly now. In a, in a black majority county, they're six times more likely to die in a pandemic than a white county. They're disproportionately uninsured in the African-American community, disproportionately make up the essential jobs that, that, that they can't do at home. They're risking their lives every day. Enough's enough. What's, what's something that you always carry with you? Hot Just- sauce. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 24th of May, year of our Lord, 2020, and it's a special edition because this just kind of got in my craw. And we'll see. It's a one subject, a little bit of COVID on the back end, some moral day, but it is the infamous media bias that we live with that a Republican says something, it is used as a cudgel. When a Democrat does it, it is brushed off. And I'm talking about our intro there. You ain't black. The amount of spin that has been dedicated to this is epic. The moment I heard it, it was on Twitter. I was about six hours late because it happened earlier in the day. And I sojourned to our media betters on uh, CNN. The middle of the page, Biden, if you have a problem, figure and whether you are for me or Trump, then you ain't black. That's how they covered. MSNBC, former Obama-Biden official, Biden is in no position to determine who is black enough or not. That's surprising. That was top of the page. HuffPo, mid-page, played off with, it's a joke. Twitter, middle of the trends. Uh, wasn't, like, highlighted. Joe Biden sat down with Charlemagne the God and discussed the black vote. That's literally what it said. It, it was not anything negative. On the bottom right of ABC News, same thing. He talks to Charlemagne. 
NBC News, middle of the page. Biden apologizes for saying African Americans ain't black. CBS News, mixed messages from across the Trump admin. And then middle of the page to the far right, Biden walks back comments about black voters who support dot, 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 dot. Now, just for a second, I want us to go back in the Wayback Machine, all right? And and I have, we're going to cover the last three elections. This is what Obama ads were, all right? Started with what Obama said, how it was never a big deal, and Obama negative ads. All right, this is eight minutes of sound bites. But I want to frame it as we're doing this with what we'll hear now in a little bit with the media sound bites and what Democrats were allowed to do with less, you know, vitrolic statements than you ain't black. So here is Obama 2012-28, uh, I think it was 2008, he said bitter clingers, but 2012 ads against Romney. People have been beaten down so long, and they feel so betrayed by government. That's not surprising them that they get better and they cling to guns or religion or uh, antipathy toward people who aren't like them, but, and a way to explain their frustrations. president who understands America's promise, who understands America's greatness comes from a strong, secure middle class. That's the America President Obama believes in. And that's what he's fighting for every day.
make or break moment for the middle class and for all those who are fighting to get into the middle class. Because what's at stake is whether this will be a country where working people can earn enough to raise a family, build a modest savings, own a home, secure their retirement. I believe that this country succeeds when everyone gets a fair shot. When everyone does their fair share. When everyone plays by the same rules. And I believe America is on the way up. Thank you. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Democrats have a very different measure of what constitutes progress in this country. We measure progress by how many people can find a job that pays the mortgage. Whether you can put a little extra money away at the end of each month so you can someday watch your child receive her college diploma. We measure progress by how many people can find a job that pays the mortgage. done in three years, then there's going to be a one-term proposition. I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message. President Romney's first 100 days, creating thousands of new jobs for Virginians. But would he? The Washington Post has just revealed that Romney's companies were pioneers in shipping U.S. jobs overseas. Investing in firms that specialized in relocating jobs done by American workers to new facilities in low-wage countries like China and India. Does Virginia really want an outsourcer-in-chief in the White House? I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message. Bernie Madoff, Ken Lennon, Dennis Kozlowski, criminals, gluttons of greed, and the evil genius who towered over them? One man has the guts to speak his name. Big Bird. Big Bird. Big Bird. It's me, Big Bird. Big, yellow, a menace to our economy. Mitt Romney knows it's not Wall Street you have to worry about. It's Sesame Street. I I'm going to stop the subsidy to PBS. Mitt Romney taking on our enemies no matter where they nest. I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of gray, for purple mountains, majesty above the fruited plains. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with bright. I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message. There are 47% of the people who vote for the president, no matter what, who are dependent upon government, who believe that, that they are victims, who believe the government has a responsibility to care for them, who believe that they are entitled to health care, to food, to housing, to you name it. 
and they will vote for this president no matter what. And so my job is not to worry about those people. I'll never be next step. They should take personal responsibility and care for their lives. This election, there's a lot of really important decisions being made that affect marginalized groups in big ways. Thank you, Jesse. Which is why, as an openly straight man, I implore you to think of people like me as you cast your ballot. This wasn't supposed to be about you. There are three things that make me proud to be an American. Voting, our proud tradition of freedom and hard work, and Ryan Gosling. Even though he's Canadian, I don't care. Why not vote? I mean, give me one good reason. You can't! I vote because I'm not a motherfucking communist. Voting is the best decision you can make. A close second is getting a One Direction tattoo on your ass, like I did. I'm voting because it makes my hands stronger for tweeting. I'm voting because everyone at the polling place is legal! Seriously, I can fuck anyone there. I vote because it's all of our civic duty to help choose the people who will lead this country into the future. Also, I love hitting on the little old chicks who check you in. No teeth. I vote because I have a weird thing about touching drapes in public. I vote because it's way easier than doing 1080s, especially when you're up against 14-year-olds. Being a celebrity has its perks. For example, this year, I'm voting for free. I'm voting because Courtney Cox told me to. And you do not mess with Courtney Cox. She's literally terrifying. I'm voting because as the responsible low brother, it's my duty. I'm voting so I can take my mind off of Kristen and Rob. This is my first time voting, but I know what I'm doing. I'm going to run in, scream the name of the person I'm voting for, and run out. I'm going to skip my next haircut to vote. If I've learned anything from So You Think You Can Dance, it's that votes matter. So be sure to go to the polls and vote for your favorite at least ten times. I vote because I love you, America. Now, look at me. I fucking love you! From the creator of I'm Running for Office for Pete's Sake comes the story of two men trapped in one body, Mitt versus Mitt. I will preserve and protect a woman's right to choose. The right next step is to see Roe v. Wade overturned. Two Mitts willing to say anything. We put together an exchange and the president's copying that idea. I'm glad to hear that. Obamacare is bad news. See it all at MittVMitt.com. The Democratic National Committee is responsible for the content of this ad. Understand, we went through an election where Romney said 47% and we were cudgeled with that. I mean, it was just nonstop. That video played over and over and over and over and over and over. It just never fucking stopped. And it was on the end of the media pushing... Dog on a roof, car garage, Bain Capital, the way Obama, who had people on his staff from Bain Capital, made working for Wall Street a bad thing. Yeah, that's all he talked about was improving Wall Street. You know, I got a liberal friend out in Oregon who said, uh, you know, Obama had 19,000 at the end of his term and during the worst uh, pandemic where we lost all these jobs, um, Trump's at 24,000. Obama must have really sucked. That's what he said. It made me chuckle. So we went through the Romney where, you know, your, your fucking foreign, the 80s are calling your foreign policy. All the things they were allowed to use. And that was on the heels of his 08 
CNN analysis. Age and issue in 2008 campaign. Polls show voters age 65 and up support McCain over Obama. Everybody else says he's too old. And it goes on to basically talk about his fucking age. Pew. Growing doubts about McCain's judgment, age, and campaign. Obama leads Wyden 52 to 38. They did whole polls on age and how it is so aged. There was a Obama for America book. Um, well, we'll get to that in a second. My bad. We'll get to that in a second. It's, it's shocking, literally, this book. And it was actually the, the, the actual playbook of what they did. But just doing some Google searches, you know, it was tough because Google didn't want to give me anything. Um, uh, we'll show some Google searches today's podcast too, which is not super long, but it, it's just shocking how hard it is to get anything because when even I did this on what a Biden said, it was compilations of what Trump said, which, which, let's play that, well, no, let's finish the thought process. We'll finish the thought process. Here's an actual soundbite about McCain's age. John McCain embraces what he calls his oldness. You know, I'm past the age when I can claim the noun kid, no matter what adjective precedes it. The Republican presidential candidate turns 72 years old later this summer. If he wins the general election, he'll be the oldest person to assume the presidency. He's getting on the upper end of the comfort zone for Americans who wonder whether he's going to have sort of the vigor and the health uh, as president. McCain's opponent, Barack Obama, will soon be 47. An Associated Press Yahoo poll suggests that McCain's advanced age is more of an issue for voters than Obama's relative youth. Well, McCain is old, but he wants to come off youthful and fears coming off outdated. Obama is young, he wants to come off as wise, and he fears coming off as naive. While age is being raised as a campaign issue, medical experts say voters shouldn't be too worried. He's in very good general health at this point. He has issues that are common with everybody who's aging. Associated Press medical writer Lauren Miergaard viewed McCain's medical records in 1999 and for a second time earlier this year. One of her main concerns was McCain's history of melanoma, one of the most dangerous types of skin cancer. He's doing very well. Um, He has not had a recurrence, and the longer you go without a recurrence, the better. The better your chances of not having a recurrence. A person living in the U.S. who reaches 70 can expect to live another 15 years. For a president entering office in their 70s, that could work out to two terms in office, plus time for writing memoirs. Julie Pace, The Associated Press. They were allowed to label him dead. I've said it a million times on the show. My mom thought he was too old. His health was bad. Dude ended up dying decades later, but, you know, that's what they were allowed to do. They could do that. It was okay. But as we'll see as we go through this, and that's why I kind of want to do it up front, then we'll do some HRC on the back, which she's allowed to do. They just played it off. When, when like, like I just said, when I tried to look for Trump, for Obama, or, God, man, my brain's not working today. When I tried to look for this Biden stuff, 
I got sound bites like this. I don't have a racist bone in my body. Donald Trump. While Trump claims he wants to make America great again, he's had some not so great things to say about the very people he claims he wants to lead. Don't believe me? Here are some of Donald Trump's greatest racist hits. I have a great relationship with the blacks. I've always had a great relationship with the blacks. African-American youth. I mean, to the point where they've just about never done more poorly. There's no spirit, there's killings on an hourly basis, virtually. A well-educated black has a tremendous advantage over a well-educated white in terms of the job market. I've said it on one occasion, even about myself. If I was starting off today, I would love to be a well-educated black because I believe they do have an actual advantage. I've read hundreds of books about China over the decades. I know the Chinese. I made a lot of money with the Chinese. I understand the Chinese mind. The concept of global warming was created by and for the Chinese in order to make U.S. manufacturing non-competitive. Negotiating with Japan, negotiating with China. When these people walk in the room, they don't say, Oh, hello. How's the weather? It's so beautiful outside. Isn't it lovely? How are the Yankees doing? Oh, they're doing wonderful. Great. They say, we want deer. I love Mexican people. I have a tremendous relationship. I also respect Mexico. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. The Mexican government is much smarter much sharper, more cunning, and they sent over the bad ones because they don't want to pay for them. And I'm not just saying Mexicans. I'm talking about people coming in from all over that are killers and rapists, and they're coming into this country. I am the least racist person there is, and I think most people that know me would tell you that. I am the least racist. Whichever way you feel after hearing these statements, please... Remember to register to vote. Like, please, register to vote. When Beyonce was thrusting her hips forward in a very suggestive manner, if someone else had done that, it would have been a national scandal. I thought it was ridiculous. Ladies and gentlemen, I am officially running for President of the United States, and we are going to make our country great again. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists. Who's number one with Hispanics? Trump. Yes, you told Trump. me that earlier. I love the Mexican people in their spirit, but the country of Mexico is killing us. I want to build a wall. I'm going to build a wall. I want to build a wall. We need the wall. And Mexico will pay for the wall. 
But we have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. And it's really weak to call John McCain a loser because he was a... I never dog. called him. I don't call that him is outrageous. Loser. He's an American hero. I don't like losers. But, but Frank, He's Frank, let me get hero. to it. He's he hit me. Hero. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. And then I watch this idiot Lindsey Graham on television today, and he calls me a jackass. He's a jackass. The man of the toupee. This is on the front page of the New York Times. I don't wear a toupee. I'll prove. I'll prove once and for all that it's mine, okay? Come, come. Is it mine? Look. It is. It is. Say it, please. Yes, I believe it is. Thank you. <laughs> I have such respect for women. I cherish women. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only is Rosie several- O'Donnell. I love the women that faint when I speak. Those are the ones that love me. No, go ahead, Donald. No, I'm a gentleman, Hillary. Go ahead. What I say is what I say. And honestly, Megan, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I've been very nice to you, although I could probably maybe not be based on the way you have treated me, but I wouldn't do that. You brag that you have sexually assaulted women. Do you understand that? No, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood what was said. This was locker room talk. Every woman lied when they came forward to hurt my campaign. Believe me, she would not be my first choice, that I can tell you. You take a look, look at her, look at her words. You tell me what you think. I don't think so. I don't think so. All of these liars will be sued after the election is over. I'm going to take such good care of women's health care issues, you won't even believe it. Do you believe in punishment for abortion, yes or no, as a principle? Uh, The answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form. Such a nasty woman. I have tremendous respect for women. Have you ever done those things? have respect for me. But I'm surging with women. I think Hillary would be a terrible president. Well, I think the only card she has is the woman's card. She's got nothing else going. And frankly, if Hillary Clinton were a man, I don't think she'd get 5% of the vote. She's a world-class liar. Just look at her pathetic email server statements. She's crooked Hillary. Don't you understand that? This is one of the most crooked politicians in history. This is the legacy of Hillary Clinton. Death, destruction, terrorism and weakness. She's the devil. Hillary Clinton is a bigot. I was going to say something extremely rough to Hillary, to her family, and I said to myself, I can't do it. I just can't do it. If you look at uh, Bill Clinton, far worse, minor words, and his was action. His was what he's done to women. There's never been anybody in the history of politics in this nation that's been so abusive to women. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. She has tremendous hate in her heart. Wouldn't that be embarrassing to lose to crooked Hillary Clinton? That would be terrible. Is there anybody you'd like to apologize to right now yourself? Uh, no. No? I think I would probably get along very well with Putin. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails 
that are missing. Hillary likes to play tough with Russia. Uh, Putin looks at her and he laughs, okay? He laughs. He'd rather have a puppet as president of no the United puppet, States. No puppet. And it's pretty clear. You're the puppet. I know nothing about Russia. Talking about Gitmo, right? Guantanamo Bay. Which, by the way, which, by the way, we are keeping open. Which we are keeping open. And we're going to load it up with some bad dudes, believe me. We're going to load it up. Would I approve waterboarding? You bet your ass I'd approve it. You bet your ass. In a heartbeat. And I'd bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. I want surveillance of certain mosques, okay? If that's okay. Because they are recruiting by the thousands. They're leaving our country. And then when they come back, we take them back. Oh, come on back. Where were you? I was fighting for ISIS. Oh, come on back. Go home. Enjoy yourself. I will absolutely take database on the people coming in from Syria if we can't stop it, but we're going to. I've made it known. If I win, they're going back. ISIS is honoring President Obama. He is the founder of ISIS. He's the founder of ISIS. Okay? He's the founder. He founded ISIS. And I would say the co-founder would be crooked Hillary Clinton. The, you know, if you're on a sports team, most valuable player, MVP, you get the MVP award. ISIS will hand her the most valuable player award. I thought I heard a little voice over there. I do not. Take him out. Yeah. Oh, throw him the hell out of here. Am I allowed to rip that whistle out of the mouth? I'd rip that. Just... Go home to mommy. I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. I don't throw babies out, believe me. I love babies. Actually, I was only kidding. You can get the baby out of here. They say, I have the most loyal people. Did you ever see that? Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. I always wanted to get the Purple Heart. This was much easier. If I become president, we're all going to be saying Merry Christmas again. That I can tell you. If you look at North Korea, this guy, this may, I mean, he's like a maniac. Okay? And you got to give him credit. That's a famous Mussolini quote. You retweeted it. You like the quote? Did you know it was sure. Mussolini? It's okay to know it's Mussolini. Yeah, look, Mussolini was Mussolini. It's okay to know. It's a very good quote. It's a very interesting quote. I mean, I'm just talking about David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan here, but... I don't know anything. Honestly, I don't know David Duke. I don't believe I've ever met him. I'm pretty sure I didn't meet him, and I just don't know anything about him. Do you no, plan I... to visit with the Pope when he comes into Philadelphia? Well, the Pope believes in global warming. You do know that, right? <laughs> Hey, in this room, it's so hot in here, maybe I'll start to believe it myself. This room is hot. Written by a nice reporter. Now the poor guy, you got to see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Oh, I don't remember. He's going like, I don't remember. I, oh, maybe that's what I said. Whoever the hell brought this mic system, don't put the son of a bitch to put it in, I'll tell you. No, this mic is terrible. Stupid mic keeps popping. Nevada. And you know what I said? You know what I said? I said, when I came out here, I said, nobody says it the other way. It has to be Nevada. He said I had small hands. Actually, I'm 6'3", not 6'2", but he said I had small hands. They're not small, are they? I never heard, I never heard that one before. 
Donald Trump has small hands. So I said, small hands? These guys know. I hit a ball 280 yards. Stand up, my club champion. Stand up. Do I hit the ball good? Do I hit it long? Is Trump strong? Huh? He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee it. I think we should take a drug test prior to the debate. My mic was defective within the room. Did that explain the sniffles then? Did you see where Biden wants to take me to the back of the barn? Me. He wants it. I'd love that. I'd love that. Mr. Tough Guy. So I spent a long time this morning on making my shoes so beautiful, so shiny. And then I walked through more dusty floors than I've ever seen in my life. Thank you, Anthony Weiner. It's a rigged system. The system is totally rigged and broken. This system is rigged. We're competing in a rigged election. This is a rigged election. That you will absolutely accept the result of this election. I will look at it at the time. I'm not looking at anything now. I'll look at it at the time. Are you saying you're not prepared now to commit to that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. I will totally accept the results of this great and historic presidential election if I win. There's never been anything like this. So go and register. Make sure you get out and vote November 28th. There are full YouTube channels full of it. And articles, and, and I won't even read them, of reams, every racist thing Trump said. They, they were spitting full-fledged. Those articles, Google was feeding me. But you couldn't find a lot of articles or op-eds or anything that literally said, hey, this is bad. Who the fuck is he to tell white people or black people who they are and who they should vote for? I found the root. All right. We need to talk about Joe Biden's Breakfast Club interview. This year's election is going to be tough, and it shouldn't be, but now I'm fully accepting that America's either voting for a Russian-loving, sun-beaten orange Skittle or a soggy white sock with a black stripe and a southern old white man blessent. Let me start this by saying I'm voting for Joe Biden. Full stop. Let me also add that you should vote for Joe Biden. Let me also add that if a hat were found in the woods and that hat was running against President Trump, I would have a sign outside my house that said, Homeless Hat in 2020. So my biggest problem with Joe Biden is, well, Joe Biden, he's the old white guy at the job who always wants to talk with you about basketball or hip-hop or to prove that he's not like the other white guys who mistake you for the valet. The problem is that all of his conversations about Jay-Z and whether Bradley Beal is getting traded are supposed to make him endearing, but he can't even do that right. Maybe it's because Biden still believes in democracy. He still believes in fighting a fair fight. Biden still believes that he can rally up the votes to beat President Bain in an election he's trying to steal. Currently, the president people enjoy videotaping themselves being thrown out of stores for not wearing masks. His rallying is based to believe the mail-in vote akin to voter fraud. And Joe Biden is supposed to save all of Gotham, except Joe Biden isn't Batman. He's more like an overly aggressive Alfred. This could all be so easy. All Biden has to do is announce that he's running mate as a black woman and then get out of the way. We know who Joe is, is and nothing is doing is making it better. In fact, he's making it worse. On Friday, 
blah, blah, blah. I've seen some time, man. First, he keeps calling Charlemagne man. I'm following the rules, man. Totally different, man. This is Biden versus a Blasson. This is the thing he he's doing to make himself cool and hip to the young black community. Imagine a white guy calling you his main man. That's the way Biden says it, except he doesn't realize he's playing himself in the community he's supposed to be outreaching to. Biden is alone in this. This is the thing that out-of-touch white politicians do all the time. I call it the love-don't-cost-a-thing move. It goes like this. Can't Buy Me Love is a teen romantic comedy that premiered in 87. It's an underrated classic that centers around a geeky kid using his savings to pay a cheerleader to keep him to be cool. When Hollywood wants to recreate the success of Camp buy me love they went and grabbed a young nick cannon a star remake called love don't cost a thing two things are wrong with this idea first is the black audience didn't like the original movie the second is that in order to get black audience to come out a studio had to hip-hop the title up a bit with the dollar signs for an s what the studio didn't realize and what biden doesn't realize is doing that is degrading and shows just how out of touch they are with the community they're trying to reach you don't endear yourself to black people by trying to talk the way you believe they do. You endear yourself to black people, hell, all people, by just being genuine. Imagine if Obama went to Ryan Seacrest's show and started calling him dude after every sentence. See how fucking stupid that sounds, dude? What the fuck is even Biden even talking about? When talking about something, hell, even I forgot now Biden went off to on a goddamn tangent. He know that Trump is like a carnival act who's running a con. He claimed that the work is to figure out that you're being conned, and then there is no illusion. Let me tell you something. My community figured it out a while ago, Biden said. I don't know what Biden's community is. Is he talking about the community of old white rich men? Is he talking about Democrats? Is he talking about Scranton, PA? Who is this community he speaks of? In the same rambling sequence, which they misspelled, Biden noted that had Trump listened to him and others responded to suit a COVID warning, there wouldn't have been 36,000 people dead, dead, dead. And you guys are wondering what he's doing. Come on, man. Get a life. Get a life. Mm, again, who are you guys? Seriously, who, who are the you guys that are wondering what he's doing? Is anyone wondering what Trump's doing? I'm wondering what the fuck Joe Biden's doing. Biden has a manifesto for black America. I don't know how I feel about a white man in a manifesto, but Biden has one. And it sounds promising, I guess. Biden mentioned said manifesto after Charlemagne pressed him on his reluctance to admit his role in locking up black folks. Yeah. At least the race hustlers will do the right thing and actually kind of ask those questions. Because ma- major media is not going to do it. Biden started rambling, but nothing he said sounded like, I'm sorry. The New York Times did a whole piece on how Biden's been trying to downplay his role in the mass incarceration of blacks and brown people. Biden's history of working with segregationists on major crime bills is extensive, but no matter what he says now, just remember that this was his boast on the Senate floor. The truth is, every major crime since 1976 that comes out of this Congress crime bill, since 76 that comes out of this Congress, every minor crime bill has had the name Joe Biden on it. Yeah. What about Amy? The article goes on. I once ate a salad with a comb, Kobachar being vetted for VP. I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Multiple, Biden said. He's got, remember, disc of women. And that, that did not turn into binder. Also this, the piece to resistance. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden, Charlemagne said. It's a long way until November. we got more questions. you got more questions, Biden replied. Well, I'll tell you what. 
If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. I can't with this nigga, they say. I can't. I mean, the more I try, the more he just does this. He even made Republican South Carolina Lindsey Graham stand up for black people. It might be time for Simeon Sanders to take Biden behind the bleachers and fuck him. Still, I say, vote Soggy Sweat Sock in 2020. That's about best we can do. This is how I'm waiting for the piece of resistance of the media. But this is how Simone Sanders got to play it off with Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd literally got steamrolled. That's what Mediaite said. The liberal website. Steamrolled. Simone, I want to play for you. You know, you've heard there's been criticism from Republican Senator Tim Scott. Perhaps you're not surprised by that. But I want you to listen to what Patrick Gaspard said, who was Barack Obama's political director in the White House in his first term. Take a listen to what he said on the comments. He should be able to point to an astounding record as vice president, which saw uh, black unemployment reach its lowest levels uh, and uh, black wealth reach its highest levels uh, under the Obama administration. However, Vice President Biden is in no position to determine who uh, is black enough uh, or not. And Simone, let me let me put the question to you this way. I know you have Joe Biden's record and you have a long list of when he goes off the cuff, he seems to speak with sort of an older generation stereotype at times in some of this stuff. When you've been around him, what would be your explanation to um, uh, Chuck, someone who might ask I'm not going to do this. Why does Chuck, this happen? I'm not going to do this. What I'm not going to do this. Because, Chuck, I'm not going to do this because let me just be really clear. Vice President Biden absolutely has a respect level for all people around him, for voters across this country, young people. Uh, older voters, voters of color, black people, Latino voters, indigenous, Asian American Pacific Islander. So I'm not going to even, uh, traffic in any hypothetical conversation about if he is sensitive enough. Look, there are real issues that we have to address in this country. And Vice President Biden has been speaking directly to the voters even well before the coronavirus crisis about those issues. He is going to meet people where they are. The fact that we can even talk about an interview on the breakfast club is because vice president biden went there to have that conversation and if you watch the interview uh they talk about the fact that they need to talk some more that charlemagne says he should come to new york and so this isn't a question about um whether this isn't this isn't a question about whether vice president biden has the sensitivities this is truly a question about in this race what we have is a question about leadership, about who is ready to lead and able to lead for all Americans, but who also has a plan for those folks, who can put their money where their mouth is, put their plans where their mouth is, and not just offer lip service to a community. And Vice President Biden's record um, speaks to that. He's not offering lip service. He's offering results. And that stands in a stark contrast into what we're seeing from this White House. Look, I know President Trump and his allies like to talk a lot about their criminal justice reform efforts. They have yet to allocate one penny from their budget to the First Step Act. Let's put our money where our mouth is. Let's not talk about platitudes. Let's talk about the plans that we have and how we turn those plans into actionable items. Joe Biden has led when it comes to a recovery uh, for Americans, take it back to the Recovery Act, and he will do so in the Biden recovery. And that is a recovery that will specifically speak directly to the African-American community. Simone Sanders uh, with the Biden campaign. Uh, I'm going to echo what Katie said. It's It's been a while, but it's good to see you, at least virtually. 
Always good to see you all. Be back soon. All right. Thank you. You got it. Katie, over to you. I mean, that's meet the fucking press. Did he push back? Did he stop her? No. Because he's black. He's scared to do that. He doesn't want to get labeled a racist. He's a liberal. No pushback. I mean, I'll play other sound bites, but that, that pretty much surmises what it is. The only person I could find that said anything negative, Mark Lamont Hill. This Joe Biden interview is precisely why we got to stop giving white people invitations to the cookout or fictive kinship status like uncle. We can no longer applaud and reward liberal white people for showing basic decency or worse, merely hiding their racism. I got likes from black people on this. And I got attacked by some very racist person, African-American female that I blocked because she just got all personal and shit. Didn't hurt my feelings, but I'm like, I'm not going to have a conversation with a person who goes this bad. You know, if you met me walking down the street, ex-vet, wearing military shirts, dipped Copenhagen, drive a Jeep that's covered in dirt, as I learned in 20 years of military service, any city black men peg that demo as racist. By seeing you on TV, it is what you think of most people who live in the South and are white. As an independent, I watch, it's always white libs whinging over race, telling black people this kind of stuff. It's not the dude in the Jeep. It's the progs, not the southern pro-life Christian. It's always liberals. Liberals are the wordsmiths. Liberals are the people that set up, well, you can't say this, and you need to treat black people like that. It's not black people. Yeah, you got your MSNBC trolls that come on there. This is a rev. This is happening to the black community. One hospital had a bunch of black people, so we're going to run with that, that all black people are dying of COVID, no white people are. Yeah, okay. And then, right on my heels, while this black lady's attacking me, Christopher D. Jackson, a white liberal. Mark Lamont Hill, I'm raising my hand in support of Jill and the Green Party. Imagine lecturing others on race when you voted for Jill Stein. Like two hours later, he comes out. I love how this white man is telling me that I can't be offended at an anti-black joke because I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. This is Biden-level arrogance. Ronna McDonald sums it up. Ronna McDonald, is that right? McDaniel. It's like McDonald's. And it'll take us to our first music break, because I want to play one song today, because it's a one-subject, pretty much, podcast. But I got this, a seven-year uh, memory of my uh, Soundgarden concert, Rowing. Came out really good. I forgot I even had the video. But she nailed it. It's been five hours since Biden told black people they ain't black if they support real Donald Trump. Trump. How many times has CNN mentioned his bigoted comment on air? Zero. It's what they always do for bad news for libs. They put it on the fucking web. So, here is our media coverage of Biden, followed by Soundgarden rowing live at the palace in Louisville. And you'll come into about the only other soundbite I can find Harris Faulkner going off on a white lib who's once again saying, oh, this is no big deal. He's right.
Former Vice President Joe Biden is apologizing tonight for a comment he made in a popular talk radio show. Biden said if black Americans have a problem figuring out whether to vote for him or Donald Trump, then, quote, you ain't black. The comment sparked a firestorm and so- on social media. Biden later called his remarks really unfortunate and cavalier. Tonight, Joe Biden is expressing regret over a comment he made earlier today on a popular radio show about support from black voters. CBS's Ed O'Keefe reports. Joe Biden is on the defensive tonight after making the racially insensitive comments. It's really unfortunate. I shouldn't have been so cavalier. His remarks came in an interview with influential black radio host Charlemagne the God. I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. That brought immediate criticism from black Republicans, including South Carolina Senator Tim Scott and Michigan GOP U.S. Senate candidate John James. Do you really believe that a black person who doesn't vote for you is therefore not legitimately black? CBS News polling shows Biden is supported by 9 in 10 African-American voters nationwide. You know, Many are standing by him, um, but today acknowledge concern. Weakness. His greatest strength is being kind of a gut, off-the-cuff politician. And in this moment, it really jumped up to hurt him. Biden has said he's considering several black women for vice president. The list includes Florida Congresswoman Val Demings. Ed O'Keefe, CBS News, Washington. Next to the race for 2020, presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden apologizing tonight after what he said about black voters prompted a firestorm. The former vice president tonight saying he shouldn't have been so cavalier. Here's ABC's Mary Bruce. Tonight, Joe Biden is doing damage control after he sparked outrage with this message for black voters. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see Take you. Take a look at my record, man. The reaction, swift and furious. This from the Senate's only black Republican. That is the most arrogant, condescending comment I've heard in a very long time. 1.3 million African-Americans voted for Trump. He's saying to 1.3 million African-Americans that you're not black? The Trump campaign piled on, saying Biden truly believes that he, a 77-year-old white man, should dictate how black people should behave. Biden today doing cleanup. The bottom line of all this is perhaps I was much too cavalier. I know uh, that the comments have come off like I was uh, taking the African-American vote for granted. But nothing could be further for the truth. And I shouldn't have been such a wise guy. His campaign notes Trump has a long history of racially charged comments. Sources say Trump has used expletives to describe African nations. He told four congresswomen of color to go back to the countries they came from. And he perpetuated the false theory that Barack Obama was not born in America. When you look at the United States, what sets us apart from every Western industrialized country that we like to compare ourselves to is that we have the stingiest social safety net. We don't have universal health care. One out of 10 black people in this country is uninsured. Uh, we have really divested in our public hospitals and our public institutions. And this is also uh, because of uh, the racial lens that uh, America produces public policy. What the polling shows is uh, the more support excuse me, the larger numbers of black people perceived to benefit from a social program, the lower the support uh, becomes amongst white Americans. And so when you look at the way that uh, we differ from other countries, it's largely because of our uh, ongoing legacy of racism. 
You know what? We've looked at the figures here as well. I mean, it's socioeconomic as well. But here, as you know, we have universal health care, national health system here in the U.S., in the U.K. And, and the COVID mortality rates for black and other minority groups here are four times higher than those of white Britons, according to the Office of National Statistics. Yeah, obviously, they're in the, fa you know, the public-facing jobs. But are you surprised that it's happening also in a nation that does have a welfare net, a social security net, you know, the NHS. No, I'm not, because what universal health care does is ensure you get access to health care once, once you get sick. But it's all of these other societal uh, disadvantages and inequalities that lead black people to become more sick in the first place. So when we know that your marginalized groups are, again, most likely to work in jobs where they couldn't shelter at home, they are working in, you know, they are working in retail, they are driving the public transit, they are uh, delivering the mail, they are working jobs where they are coming in contact with large group uh, members of the public, and they're more likely to get sick in the first place. They're also more likely to live uh, in much more densely populated areas, to live in apartments where there's people uh, stacked on top of each other. So there's many reasons why we would get sick from this in the first place. Uh <laughs>
Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Reese. Negate the decades of service, the decades of record that Joe Biden has accumulated fighting for the black community on everything, like he mentioned, from voting rights to numerous other issues. And I do think he was making the point that he would put his record up against uh, Donald Trump's, who has said overtly horrible racist things. But the vice president should come out and say, you know what? I didn't say that exactly right. Here's what I meant. And move on. Harris, what do you think? I've been fighting against this notion that you're not black enough unless you think a certain way, you vote a certain way, you speak a certain way, you do certain things. My whole life, I grew up military, pretty much neutral along the zone of can we all just get along no matter what we look like. I have biracial daughters, Melissa, you know them. This is more than just a little offensive. It is short-sighted. It is a blind spot for this former vice president. He should have gotten up immediately on whatever venue microphone he had. I would have said it for him immediately right there in the one that he already was in on the Breakfast Club and say, you know what, let me let me restate that. But, you know, I think this says it better. It is black voices for Trump and their statement. I'm just going to read the first couple of sentences. White liberal elitists have continuously dictated which black Americans are allowed to come to the table and have a voice. It is clear now more than ever following these racist and dehumanizing remarks that Joe Biden believes black men and women are incapable of being independent or free thinking. He truly believes that a 77-year-old white man should dictate how black people should behave. Biden has a history of racial condescension, and today he once again proved that a growing number of black Americans, and I have always known Joe Biden, does not deserve our votes. That's Katrina Pearson, Trump 2020 senior advisor. You don't have to be any particular race to know when someone puts you down because you're different. Boom. What record are they speaking of? Seriously, in in serious terms, what the fuck did Obama do for black people? What did he do? All he did is brought to the forefront that everything's racist. Interjecting shit, get more of them arrested when they protested Ferguson. I mean, not a Trump supporter, but the data shows Latino, the brown People of color in the country, unemployment went up, or went down. Record unemployment. That's that's what they said. That's not me making it up. That's not a crock of shit. That's just what it is. But no, no, we don't, we don't fucking, no, we, we don't do facts. Why the fuck would we do facts? Facts get in the way. I mean... The fact of the matter, unequivocally from Jump Street, that African Americans, in my humble, fat-ass white guy opinion, have been duped by a party forever. Civil War, Republicans. Dixie Cracks. Jim Crow. Democrats. 
Well, the fucking Republicans. The whole rule, everything that was ever passed was Republican Congresses. Do I say Republicans are not racist? No. But liberals, in my opinion, are worse off. They sit and pander to you all the time, and then they ignore you for black transgender dudes. Dudes with dicks wearing dresses. That's what they do. To Twitter, it was epic spin. Lewis Mensch. So Joe Biden made a gaffe about being black. It happens. He is well-meaning. Trump makes hundreds worse every day. It's news because Joe Biden does it so seldom. Here's the political consequences of making Biden that much more likely now to pick Camilla Harris as VP. Vice President Biden has a lifetime of friendship with and service to African-American voters. He does not obviously mean to offend them, but that joke will have offended some. Camilla Harris has always been at the top of the list. Jesus Christ. Ture to Simone Sanders. It's her comment. The comments made at the end of the Breakfast Club interview were a jest, but let's that let's be clear about what the VP was saying. He was saying the distinction that he would put his record with the African-American community up against Trump any day period. Ture, yep. Zarelia Maxwell, I empathize so deeply with Biden folks today. Remember Hot Sauce Gate? Andrea Mitchell. She's not a journalist. On Biden, you ain't black comments. Patrick Gaspari, I understand the NT, uh, NTV was testy and there's a generational challenge, but I know when it comes time to really litigate the campaign, there's a thoughtfulness Joe Biden will demonstrate that wasn't demonstrated in an interview. I guess INTV. I've never seen that as actual. There's no dot, so. That's not a fucking abbreviation, but whatever. Bree Newsom Bass. Let's try to exercise today where non-black people refrain from injecting themselves into black people's comments with their thoughts on how black people should feel. You're not entitled to our space, either physically or psychologically. Clay Kane. Biden's you ain't black line was wrong. That said, the delusional craving for fame, black Trump supporters will jump on this and ignore the racist policies, rhetoric come from the president. Fox News will also lead it up, ignoring the history. Their outrage is insincere. Jamela Hill, race hustler. You know, at least Lamont Hill stayed true to his race hustling. This cunt, no, she didn't. Yeah, I said cunt, I don't care. Me watching white folks out act outraged on behalf of black folks because Biden said if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. As if these same white folks are in any position to speak about black identity or black experience. The issue wasn't what Joe Biden said because it was accurate. The issue was that it came from Biden. It also was clearly a joke that didn't land. But I'm wondering where all this outrage was yesterday when you all president declared his public devotion to a Nazi sympathizer. She goes on, I don't want to use be caping for Joe Biden, but in, is he wrong? There's a clear difference between tired, that lesser of two ever evils shit with Hillary, and there was a difference, a big one. Obama hurt our community via policy, too, but there is a difference, yes. The issue is who said it, not what was said. White folks should never define what's black. Nah, it was inaccurate. This is James E. Ford. And we determined that it's culturally, customly, politically black in its orientation from the in-group, not the out-group. And the funny, the Trump part is a red herring. He created outrage fatigue. Her, I don't have a problem with the statement because we can clearly, referring to from, I forgot my glasses, so I'm sorry for this poor readout. 
um, black and you support anti-black policies and positions. Arian Cappers, I feel it just can't follow or accept it coming from someone who should know how to police their words. Aaron Camper, again, the issue is the statement, though. It's also the person that made it who's currently posing for POC. And then lastly, it's people who think just like him, which are both Dems and Republicans. Jamel Hill, honestly, this shit doesn't even matter. Feel a lot like hot sauce in the bag shit. Huh. Yeah. Hot sauce in the bag. The problem with that is HRC hot sauce in the bag came with, I ain't gone being tired yet. We should try to drop the R like Obama did in front of black people. And because I didn't forget, here's what Hillary got away with with her ads, starting with deplorables. You know, to just be grossly generalistic, you could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. (laughs) Right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are people like that. And he has lifted them up. He has given voice to their websites that used to only have 11,000 people. Now have 11 million. He tweets and retweets. They're offensive, hateful, mean-spirited rhetoric. Now some of those folks, they are irredeemable, but thankfully they are not America. But the other basket, the other basket, and I know because I look at this crowd, I see friends from all over America here. I see friends from Florida and Georgia and South Carolina and Texas and as well as, you know, New York and California. But that other basket of people are people who feel the government has let them down. The economy has let them down. Nobody cares about them. Nobody worries about what happens to their lives and their futures. And they're just desperate for change. It doesn't really even matter where it comes from. They don't buy everything he says, but he seems to hold out some hope that their lives will be different. That they won't wake up and See their jobs disappear. Lose a kid to heroin. Feel like they're at a dead end. Those are people we have to understand and empathize with as well. Waiting a Donald Trump rally in Iowa where the Republican nominee could have new reaction to Hillary Clinton's claim that some of his supporters belong in a quote basket of deplorables. Last night, Trump calling it an attack on American voters. She said tens of millions of patriotic Americans are a basket of deplorables. How can you be president? How can you be president for so many people? She talks about people like they're objects, not human beings. 
She said half of our supporters are irredeemable and not American, and describes the other half as having run out of options. He even brought nearly a dozen supporters on stage to prove they are no such thing. My wife and I represent non-deplorable people. <laughs> we are not racist at all. We don't even fit on that list that she put out. <laughs> but Clinton's press secretary says while she has expressed regret over her phrasing, there are at least some Trump supporters who do fit into that category. I think that the larger point is one that we are unapologetic about, and it's fairly consistent with what she has been saying out on the trail. In fact, she gave an entire speech about how uh, Donald Trump has sort of promoted and continued to highlight these white nationalist sentiments on social media in terms of the people that he has installed at the leadership of his campaign. He continues to court and cultivate support from, yes, deplorable elements of our society that traffic in bigotry and hate. And of course, Brian Fallon, uh, Hillary Clinton's press secretary. Bill, did her campaign just double down? I, uh, There's no doubt. You probably he just take said. it that way. I, I think ultimately uh, they they just gave Trump this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's right there. Um, it's it's a silver platter. And I would expect him over the next week at every rally to pull people out and say, hey, I'm not deplorable. Mm -hmm. Two things come to mind. Reflect on this. 2008, 57 per. Sorry. 47% Mitt Romney, and this from 2008. It's not surprising that when they get bitter, they cling to guns or religion or antipathy That's toward right. people who are not like them. It's probably in all likelihood more familiar to what Barack Obama said in that private fundraiser in San Francisco mm. in 2008, more so than Romney of 2012. Democrats hammered Romney four years ago. I would argue his pushback was not sufficient. Um, in 2008, I think Republicans went after Obama hard on this, and I think they scored points, but I think in that year, the deck was stacked against your father anyway in order to try and win the White House, um, uh, and that was, that was a hard hurdle to overcome. Uh, this comment, however, if Trump is smart, and we have seen him be a marketing genius in the past, mm -hmm. he would roll it out at every opportunity. And he'd take white people, he'd take black people, he'd take Hispanics, he'd take Chinese, he'd take men and women and just line them all up. And as they said last night, we're going to need enough. He said basket. early on, after she made this comment, she, he said early on this was the worst moment of yeah. this political yeah. season, and he has not stopped hitting her with it. Since. Well, I, you and I were talking about uh, during the commercial break just the social media blowback yeah. on this and how he's galvanized that segment of the population on social media by millions. The adorable pol deplorables. Now, Hashtag deplorables place. for but Trump. I, I think he might bring up this from uh, 2015, the fall, almost a year ago now. Remember when Hillary Clinton was claiming that Republicans were her greatest enemies? Oh, and yeah. she, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you could make the argument that she sometimes has put people in this category where they would be the hated ones. So the one thing you never want to do in politics is have something reach out beyond the echo chamber of politicians. And let me tell you, Basket of Deplorables was hashtagged with so many of my friends when they were out drinking on Saturday. My brother, boozing with whiskey and American flag bandana, was like, I guess I'm just a basket of deplorable. And then I was like, I should start hashtagging this every time I go out. This has reached the masses. Like you said, this is a trending topic on Twitter. This is a hashtag. It's becoming a pride of honor. 
honor or badge of honor, excuse me, for anyone voting for Trump. This is a big gaffe on her part. That on top of this video that you know came out of her passing out, I do not know how she recovers from that. And as you well, just saw, they're not backing off of it. Yeah, they're not backing off. It doesn't help in the swing states where things are getting tight. Um, the thing is, too, though, Vice President nominee Mike Pence may have yeah. stumbled. Uh, when he was asked yeah. by Wolf Blitzer, well, is David Duke deplorable? And he right. said he's not into name calling. And I, well, Duke thanked him for not calling him a deplorable. And that yeah, question, that's a bad that question came up again today on Capitol Hill. How did he um, He gave a long stem wonder that I thought was somewhat impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, Martha and I were sitting there listening to his answer. Uh, and he was talking about all the names that his supporters have been called. And then he backed into the, uh, the answer about David Duke. But, but white supremacists are pretty deplorable. Want, I mean, not want yeah, his right. I we saw it. the same thing, too, with Mike Pence this morning. Yeah, I'm not here to Defending. I'm just trying but to get the balance between yesterday and today, suggesting they did not want to get caught in this trap where you could but take just, that sound. But it's by. all over the media now that Mike Pence wouldn't call David yeah. Duke. My suggestion is That's that it'll, it'll flip today. Bill, give me into that of what he said because we missed it. It just exactly how he was kind of. He was talking about all the, the, the negative things that have been said about their supporters, etc., and then got to the David Duke point and suggested that uh, he did not need his support. All right, we've got to leave it there. What do you have to lose? You're living in poverty. Your schools are no good. You have no jobs. Uh, look at my African-American over here. Trump management was charged with discriminating against African-Americans and breaking federal law. I have a great relationship with the blacks. I have, I've always had a great relationship with the blacks. What the hell do you have to lose? I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. Who's going to pay for the wall? Who? We did discuss the wall. We didn't discuss payment of the wall. Fui muy claro y enfático en que México no pagará tal I'm Hillary Clinton and I approve this message. I know more about ISIS than the generals do. John McCain, a war hero. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? Donald Trump compared his sacrifices to the sacrifices of two parents who lost their son in war. How would you answer that, Father? What sacrifice have you made for your country? I think I've made a lot of sacrifices, built great structures. I've had tremendous success. I think those are sacrifices. The generals have been reduced to rubble. They have been reduced to a point where it's embarrassing for our country. You look at what's happening to our country. You look at the fact that we've lost our jobs. We're losing our jobs like we're a bunch of babies. You tweeted this. 26,000 unreported sexual assaults in the military, only 238 convictions. What did these geniuses expect when they put men and women together. Well, it is, it is a correct tweet. He is really very much of a leader. I mean, you can say, oh, isn't that a terrible thing? He called, I mean, the man has very strong control over a country. He's been a leader far more than our president has been a leader.
a foreign policy expert went to advise Donald Trump and three times he asked about the use of nuclear weapons. Mm. If we have them, why can't we use them? Can you tell the Middle East we're not using a nuclear weapon? I would never say that. I would never take any of my cards off the table. How about Europe? We won't use it in Europe. I, I'm not going to take it off the table. You might use it in Europe. Trump asked three times. Three times in an hour briefing, why can't we use nuclear weapons? Wouldn't you rather, in a certain sense, have Japan have nuclear weapons? Saudi Arabia we have nuclear weapons? Saudi Arabia, absolutely. What safeguards are there? Uh, to stop, uh, uh, let's say, just say any president who may not be stable from launching a nuclear attack against another country. The commander-in-chief is the commander-in-chief. Donald Trump decides to use a nuclear weapon. What is the time frame between his decision and when the nuclear weapons are launched? Joe, it's, it's scenario dependent, but the system is designed for speed and decisiveness. It's, it's not designed to debate the decision. Hi. A man you can bait with a tweet is not a man we can trust with nuclear weapons. And you know what? When I need something from them two years later, three years later, I call them. They are there for me. When they call. So in 2013, uh, Pam Bondi, the attorney general of Florida, she actually personally solicits a campaign contribution from Trump. I give. His charitable foundation gave a political gift, which you're not allowed to do, to the Florida attorney general. When I need something from them. News of this donation is raising eyebrows because at the time, Bondi was considering whether to investigate fraud allegations against Trump University. I call them, they are there for me. The donation was made four days after Bondi's office announced it was considering joining an investigation into alleged fraud at Trump University. Bondi's office chose not to join the investigation. She said she was going to look at Trump University shortly uh, after she said that she got the money. Shortly after that, she decided not to investigate Trump University. You can't lead this nation if you have such a low opinion for its citizens. How stupid are the people of the country? We're building a wall. He's a Mexican. You got to see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Oh, I don't remember. You're living in poverty. Your schools are no good. You have no jobs. What the hell do you have to lose? If you look at his wife, she had nothing to say. She probably, maybe she wasn't allowed to have anything to say. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. So you treat women with respect? Uh, I can't say that either. All right, good. You can't lead this nation if you have such a low opinion for its citizens. Trump has not released any. The Clintons have released their tax returns dating back to 1977. This is a strong tradition going back to Richard Nixon. 
Donald Trump is the first one who's refusing to do it so far. He should be judged accordingly. The Trump Organization has partnerships that a large number of them undisclosed all over the world. He makes money by aiding the people whose interests don't uh, don't con coincide with uh, America's. Both Trump and Clinton have released letters from their doctors. Of course, Trump's letter was extraordinarily light on details. His doctor later told NBC News he wrote it in just five minutes. It fell well short of the full medical history Trump had promised. A new report is raising all kinds of questions today about exactly how charitable Donald Trump really is. He's sort of engineered a way to look like he's being charitable without actually spending a dollar out of his own pocket. It is historic, uh, the level of lack of, of volunteered information. Donald Trump took my money and ran with it. I became really interested in Trump University because they were going to be following the recipe book that Donald Trump has been following all of his life. We're going to teach you what you need to know. really high-pressure salespeople. I had some IRA money stashed away, and it was pretty much the end of what I had left on my savings. And they reassured me that I would be able to make my money back within a very short period of time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go all in, and I'm going to invest in myself because I believe in what Donald Trump is telling me. So I started thinking something was really up when I realized that my mentor was not a real estate professional at all. He was a retired person that was reading off of a script. And then he would only take three phone calls from me. And after those three phone calls, he was gone. So then I started thinking, was like, wait a minute, I met these people not at a university, but at a hotel conference room. And I gave them every last penny that I had. And they pick up all their bags and they were gone. It was a scam starting with the fact that it was not a university. Even a former member of Trump's own sales staff testified that it was, among other things, a joke, a facade, and was just selling false hopes and lies. So here I am out, my savings, anything that I was going to be doing in the future for my kids or my retirement is all gone. So this is fraud, and this is big-time fraud because he's done this with thousands and thousands of people. If you look at how he's negotiating his way into the presidency, you'll realize that he's just playing this country just like he played everybody else in the Trump University. Why doesn't he show his birth certificate? There's something okay, on that birth certificate that he doesn't like. Oh my God. Oh, that's Maybe it says he's Muslim. Perhaps because he's a Muslim. Five million dollars to a charity of his choice if he releases his college records and applications. We know nothing about our president. Does he love America? I don't know if he loves America. I, I hope he loves America. He doesn't get it, or he gets it better than anybody understands. We're led by a man that either is not tough, not smart, or he's got something else in mind. There's something going on. I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. And you can tell them to go themselves. 
I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. When Mexico sends its people, they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists. You know, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes. Uh, blood coming out of her, wherever. You gotta see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Ah, oh, I don't remember. He's going like, I don't remember. Our children and grandchildren will look back at this time, at the choices we are about to make, the goals we will strive for, the principles we will live by, and we need to make sure that they can be proud of us. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. I'd look her right in that fat, ugly face of hers. She's a slob. She ate like a pig. A person who's flat-chested is very hard to be a 10. Does she have a good body? No. Does she have a fat Absolutely. So you treat women with respect? Uh, I can't say that either. All right, You know, we heard 47% a million times. We heard grab the pussy a million times. Deplorables was two seconds. This will go away as the weekend. It's already starting to go away. Xavier Pope. Now it's the truth and you ain't black. Leave it to black people to decide what we think about what Joe Biden said. We don't need your help. So now you're racist. If you say what he said was wrong, not him, you, you ain't black as a cesspool of grifters, coons, right-wing nuts, show don't care about black people anyway, looking for gotcha points and people still salty, they don't have their candidate in the race, a bunch of toxicity looking for more of the same cocktail to wet their lips, 100K are dead, 36K could have been avoided. Miss me with the trivial Joe Biden, you ain't black, gotcha trash. Get a ladder and find some higher fruit, simps. Yeah, nothing. Jackson again, white dude. Said it before, I'll say it again. Joe Biden's going to be Joe Biden regardless of what you think. And personally, that's why I like him. He's real, he's authentic, and he's gone through far too much in his life to give a shit what blue chicks say about him on Twitter. You know, that's what people say about Trump when you call them fucking Nazis. Kobe Hall, so the pro-Trump set are aggrieved over Joe Biden. You ain't black, hyperbole. Have you seen the bullshit your candidate said? But Trump... Ida Bay Wells in charge of the 1619 Project. She got a fucking Pulitzer for rewriting history. There's a difference between being politely black and being racially black. I'm not defending anyone, but we all know this and should stop pretending that we don't. Simone Sander was a rapid response. Vice President spread his career fighting, blah, blah, blah. Then she went. The comments made at the end of the Breakfast Club and everyone jest. Roxy Gay, ma'am, what? He doesn't get to just like that. It wasn't funny. It played in the long-standing notion that black vote is uncritical and guaranteed in the notion that blackness is mutable and defined by whiteness. And she nails it. She's African-American. The fact of the matter is, they take it for granted all the time. That's why you see people on, I guess, what they call white Twitter, because it's conservative people on Twitter, I walked away. I saw about seven more yesterday off this. 
Dave Weagle, a journalist, in air quotes. The You Ain't Black thing is a combustion of two pretty well-known facts. CTG rattles people with direct questions, and Biden gets set off. He thinks someone is questioning his record. I've seen it when Biden got challenged by climate activists or someone at a queue about guns. Queue for a 60-second stem winder about how the questioner should check the facts, and I'm the only one who's beaten the NRA, etc. You might ask, why doesn't he pivot on a better topic? He doesn't pivot. If you doubt he got the best positions and experience, he'll tell you you're wrong and should vote for someone else. So far, this has got him nomination and a poll lead, which is true. He says it all the time, don't vote for me. Kate, Kate Hyde. The way Andrew blah, blah, blah has rapidly responded to the Breakfast Club interview is by rapidly retweeting clips from every other Biden interview that's not that one. First to NBC News campaign launched a new digital ad charging that President Trump has reacted to the pandemic like deer in the headlights and has been too scared to act, too panicked to tell the truth, too weak to lead. Read and watch it here. That was big yesterday. Andrew Bates, new ad, deer in the headlights. That's how they responded it. Just attack Trump. Jamal Brown, today we've been, we've, today would have been my Uncle Harvey Milk's 90th birthday. This November we can carry on his legacy. And Joe Biden, we have the opportunity to stand on Harvey's shoulders and continue his life's work. We are so grateful. There was a lot of that. One of my relatives died, and it's Trump's fault. Mediate, the liberal site run by Dan Abrams, Joe Biden gets mixed reactions on you ain't black comment. Many agree white people should sit this out. They pull up Stedman. Yeah, Obama's lackey, or uh, whatever, Oprah's. I think people should ask themselves, do you know or follow a black person who really likes Joe Biden in the primary and use that answer, coupled with how the primary went to form how representative of the Dem black electric you, your circle really is? So if you don't have black people that are real black people, you need to shut the fuck up. Abraham X. Kendi. When Biden said, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black was on point in his reply. Uh, I can't read the, the handle. It it don't have nothing to do with Trump. Some black voters or other swing voters figured out whether they're with Biden or not voting. Apparently, Biden has yet to realize that for nearly all black voters, Trump is not an option. Biden is not running against Trump. He's running against himself. He's running against his past. He's running against the audacity of a white man to tell black people who ain't black. Dean Obadiah, you know he's not uh, conservative. White supremacy defined, watching white Trumpers white explain to black people that Trump, who led the race birther movement against Barack Obama, is not racist, but the man who served as Obama VP is racist. See, it's always Trump. Bakari Seltzer, your husband once called me a full-grown black man boy during a commercial break. Please stop. Mercedes Schlopp, Joe Biden has... No respect for blacks with you ain't black comment. The one guy who supported the crime bill, which led to mass incarceration. So many black news. I don't know who her dad is. Uh, Earl Weber. Joe Biden, you ain't black. So what gives you the right to decide on other black people's blackness? He's running for Congress. Torre. Again, 
What Biden said aligns with most black people actually feel. So miss me with the mob attacking him for it because only black people can say that, okay? That said, gas are normal for Joe. Expecting any more of these. Expect many more of these. Alan West, who got in a terrible car accident. I was going to follow up and see if he's okay. Got hit on a motorcycle yesterday. Today, Joe Biden had the audacity to tell black people, if you are a problem figuring out, blah, 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 blah. Well, as a black man, here is my response, and he throttled him. Jason Johnson, just a thought. How about we listen to the entire Joe Biden interview with whoever this guy is before we start roasting him? A white man telling a black man who is and isn't black is inexcusable. But what led to that exchange and why Biden was triggered matters as well. Mark Lamont Hill again. Biden's entire interview was smug and condescending. The final remark is just the worst part. It's bizarre that people are fighting this. No, it's not, Mark. Groupthink, brother. Groupthink. Tim Scott. 1.3, man, we're getting to some pushback. and It doesn't end, though. That's more negative. 1.3 million black Americans already voted for Trump in 2016. This morning, Joe Biden told every single one of them, they ain't black. I'd say I'm surprised, but sadly, par for the course for Democrats to take the black community for granted and browbeat those that don't agree. 100% right. He also got on The View and said this. will show that perhaps if we had done an earlier lockdown, 36,000 fewer people would have died. Uh, I guess the question is, does that fall on his shoulders? I don't play Monday morning quarterback at halftime. I want to get this thing uh, under wraps, and then we can assess what should have been, could have been, or would have been done. But right now, it is Team America working as one united front to help the most vulnerable in this nation. The more we do that, I think the better off we will all be. Senator, to all of those assuming President Trump is doomed in 2020, just last week, Democrats lost a seat in California for the first time in 22 years and they lost to a Republican who embraced Trump in a district that Clinton carried handily in 2016. What is it about the president that you and many around the country see and that the media seems to continue to be missing? I think the, the answer to the question is that most often the media is not talking to anyone in rural America, and they're certainly not talking to someone uh, in South Carolina that's a Republican or most independents. Uh, frankly, his support is without any question, uh, at least where it was before in those states. Uh, I think in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but the enthusiasm numbers are significantly higher for President Trump over Vice President Biden is 53% high enthusiasm for Trump and about 24% for high enthusiasm for Biden. When you take those numbers and you expect a pretty strong recovery as we head into the summer and into the fall, you will expect that this race will be very different than most of the prognosticators think today. But I said that in 2016 when the New York Times called me and asked me to explain the day before the election why Trump lost. And I said, I think you hadn't been to South Carolina. And you certainly hadn't been to Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Uh, it was pretty clear to me that most people uh, were, were, were in a different position. He's spot on. But, you know, you heard Chuck Todd downplay it. Uh, you heard Tim Scott, which you can expect, because what that inference was is he's an Uncle Tom. You know, he's a conservative. He, he's, he's a porch, inward, 
that was his inference, and, and he can get away with it. Chuck Todd can do that. Because remember, black people that are conservative are not black people. They say that all the time. Thus, Biden saying it. I mean, this is what they do. This is what de- Democrat politicians play off all conservative thinking African Americans as Uncle Tom's. They're not real. Because that's how they've spun off inventing the KKK, fucking Jim Crow, and their stance during the Civil War. They forever twisted it and gotten away with it. Jeffrey A. Dove Jr., what the fuck? Because I don't support your failed policy, things like the 94 crime bill, Obamacare, and others. I ain't black, based on Joe Biden's word. That is basically saying Dem Party owns me because of skin color. I wonder if Representative Wexon feels the same way. It's true. They do believe they own you. Trisha Edwards, it's one thing to be taken for granted for decades by the Dem Party. It's another one they can determine your skin color. Candace Owens, wow. Joe Biden tells chat the God, and if blacks have to think about whether they're for Trump or Biden, then you ain't black. Disgusting. The Democrats view black people as trained chimpanzees who should not ask questions but perform the same circus act every four years. Reminder, black people, if you don't do the bidding of the wealthy white Democrats, you ain't black. Just imagine the media reaction of Trump said this to a black person that asked questions about his policies. Or if Trump said ain't when speaking to black people. No shit. No shit. That in itself would be, oh, he's racist. Because remember, him just saying black reporters are stupid is racist. I got a tweet in here. That, that's what they said. Ed O'Keefe brings us what the media and CNN ran before they ran the story. I mean, CNN just waited for the apology to then run the story. In a call with black business leaders, Joe Biden apologized for his AM comments to this guy. I should not have been so cavalier. I'm never, never, ever taking the African American community for granted. I should have been a wise, I shouldn't have been a wise guy, Joe Biden said later. I shouldn't have been so cavalier. No one should have to vote for any party based on their race or religion or background. That, that's not what you think, so just be honest. You can get away with it, Joe. Nothing's going to happen to you. Remember, you could be eating babies, boiling them alive and eating them. And they'll still vote for you. That, that's what fucking journalists are saying. Big J journalist. Chuck Ross. Wait, I thought it was just a joke. Yeah. Because that's what they said. That's what the media said. That's what the race hustlers said. It was a joke. It wasn't real. So, Yamichi Alcinder, the one who invented Kung Flu, and said other people said it. Former BP Biden on the call said no one should have to vote for any blah, 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 repeating it. Biden also blasted Trump for calling African countries shithole countries for saying they were fine. People on both sides of the woman who was killed while protesting against Nazis in Charlottesville and for advancing policy that Biden believes threatened the black community. Former BP said, unfortunate that he said this, and then more Biden bashing Trump about everything he's ever said. Karen Townsend, Biden, I have a record that is second to none. 
Does he really want to go there? His record shows he is incapable of making correct decisions on just about everything. Habitually wrong for 40 years. Uh, another one. This is the man who wants to be your president, endorsed by Jenny Rubin and Max Boot. He has a record locked up in the University of Delaware. This is clear thinking and leadership the country needs. Daniel Dale. The president has called three prominent black journalists dumb in the last month. Dean Baquette. Don Lemon, and I can't see that. He didn't do a very good job of doing this because he didn't get all of them. He just got Don Lemon. Paul Waldman, some thoughts on how to think about Biden or any candidate's gaffes, what matters, what doesn't, and how to contextualize them. That's how WAPO did it. They didn't actually cover it. They told you how to think. See, for them, Biden tell black people how to think. They tell you how to think. This is what liberals are. They think they're the smartest people in the room, and they, they can tell you what to think, eat, believe, who to worship. Stephen Miller, thank you, Paul. I was a child lost and wandering around until you finally were able to make me understand these things. You're an invaluable member to a necessary profession. White guy explains how flavored, important other white guy dehumanizing and mocking black people is really no big deal once you understand the context. Then the next outrage. Fast work. Trump campaign is already selling you ain't black shirts. Janet Poe. Exploiting this is worse than saying it in the first place. White liberal. Well, you just, I'm sure you like the rest of the liberal world. What he said wasn't bad. The equivalent of flashcards at a mega rally. Might as well add a picture of Uncle Tom. Because anyone who buys that t-shirt is an Uncle Tom. Did I just not say? They say blacks are Uncle Tom. Well, if anyone has the moral authority to criticize Joe on race, it's Nazi-loving, Charlottesville-equivocating, landlord who denies black people access to housing. Quoting Biden verbatim makes Trump the racist one. Makes sense. David Freelander, the ability of Trump campaign to take a minor Biden gaffe and kick up a whole day's worth of coverage on it so far, at least with Biden apologizing write-ups in the New York Times and elsewhere, should scale the hell out of Democrats. Oh, really? 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 Yeah, the journalists agreed. Don't reporters and editors have some influence over whether a minor gaffe gets covered by the Trump campaign into the whole day's worth of coverage? Brian Butler, another way of saying that the profession is broken. It's true, especially Obama lost after Romney team did much of the same playbook in 2012. I don't know if she's being facetious. I, I don't know. Brian Schatz, but you are a person who determines what to cover, and you decide to cover this. Brian, or David Freelander, I didn't cover it. When Tim Scott does a press call to announce the comments, they sell T-shirts off them, spend all day hyping them on cable and social media. Are you surprised they get covered? More to the point, why isn't there a similar effort on the other side? This is a journalist! And then the world showed him. Hillary, nasty woman. Whitmer, that woman from blah, blah, blah. A picture a fucking Warren that instantly sold it. A picture of Beto who rolled out his I'm going to take the damn guns. But that's a journalist. He doesn't pay attention. Why would he pay attention? He's too busy pushing the left's talking points to see what they're doing. BT, 
The best part about social media is watching journalists and politicians say this stuff in public. Don't yell at me. I didn't cover it. Democrats should be terrified that when Biden said something that bothered people, it got media coverage. People do remember that he is running for president, right? The Biden campaign does not seem terrified. Because they don't have to. The only negative I could find is BET co-founder said Biden arrogant out of touch and should apologize to every black person he meets. And that was on Fox because the BET co-founder is conservative. But this is the candidate they're fighting for. This is an interview after the You Ain't Black interview. Listen to this guy. I'm prepared to say that I have a record of over 40 years and that I'm going to beat Joe Biden. Yeah, he got himself, but that that's what he said. And that would be on every news channel, just as I played it, without the correction. Because that's what they did from all Mexicans are murder or racist. That's what he said, the COVID's a hoax. That's what he said, they're good people on both sides. That's what they said about Kung Flu, everything. None of it's ever proven. None of it's ever fucking quantified. It's just a rumor. They roll it out. This is what they did for the entire Mueller investigation. They did it for the impeachment. They did it for the grab the pussy. I mean, NBC sat on that motherfucker and didn't release the motherfucker until, what, October? They had it. Just like CNN had Tara Reid's mother, and they didn't play that shit. This will be a nothing burger. Sean King, same day all this comes out. Remember, he's, I think, a white guy who thinks he's black or whatever. He's just a fucking plagiarist. It pains me to say this, but I have found that Georgia Republicans in leadership to be far more responsive under pressure in the Ahmad Aubrey case than the key Kentucky Democrats in leadership in the Brianna Taylor case. Every single decision made in Georgia was a Republican. In Louisville, Kentucky, where Brown Taylor was killed, we had a Democratic governor, Democratic mayor, and a Democratic district attorney. And they have done a half step above nothing. Crumbs, really, for Taylor and her family. It's infuriating. Not a single Democrat in power right now is Kentucky would be there without the near-unanimous support of black voters. And yet the Democratic mayor, governor, and DA have been pretty much all talk for months on Breonna Taylor, and they've hardly made anything happen. Guess who made the single strongest statement on a ludicrous no-knock warrant under the murder of Breonna Taylor from a national politician? It was Rand Paul, a Republican senator from Kentucky, not a Democrat. He said they should be banned to get altogether, nationwide painful. And I'm not, a, I'm not about to become a Republican, but I'm also not going to have Democrats slap us in the face and pretend I like it. Democrats think they can half-ass or flat-out ignore the needs and demands of black folks and that we will take it silently. I refuse. They must step up. Yeah. That's that's what we do. That's what we do. The media will never cover these things. They'll never show that really, uh, overall, in a lifetime... What the fuck fuck has the left done for African Americans other than pander to them and call everybody else racist? My last point was to cover literally how they package this stuff. 
Uh, Obama for American literally talks in an excerpt from the book um, that they published how they packaged McCain was McSame, out of touch, too old. They literally admit that was their campaign strategy for the entire campaign. And the media, you know, once again, didn't stop it. You talked about Hillary's age or her, really it was her health. <clears throat> the Trump team went after and you were sexist, you were ageist, you were ableist. They put a bunch of is together, if you think about it. There was a lot of ists. You know, you're, you're not doing that to her because she's the most qualified candidate ever. And you're never winning. So they didn't do it. But the Nazi stuff, to once again kind of tie in how all of this gets to be packaged on the left, but not the right. So there's actually a book. Oh, uh, how U.S. presidents and their political parties are compared to Hitler in the Third Reich by Megan Gallagher is from 2005. Although political leaders from the time Hitler was in power to now have been likened to Hitler and the Nazi Party, both conservative and liberals have also made such comparisons and reference to anything from minor offenses to major political moves. However... The justifications for using such phrases appear to be the same for both conservatives and liberals. That's fucking lie. But okay, this is to say that Nazis today, the term Hitler. I'm sorry, fuck that. It's to say conservatives use the term Nazi against liberals for the same re- reasons liberals call conservatives Nazi. Today, the term Hitler is widely used in American vernacular by both liberals and conservatives, as well as the international figures, to try and coerce a knee-jerk reaction of instant dislike. And as you go through this, they try to do whataboutism. But as you list it, it, back to fucking Nixon. It is a thesis statement for what I said. It, it went way before than I ever thought it was. And I said that, and once again, for those that are new to the show, I did a whole show on conventions and how they've always called conservatives nazis in my my time and i didn't know why then there's a 50-year history of worse comparison by christian tremelog everything old becomes new again and much is the case for comparing republican presidents to nazi last week a nationwide day of protests were filled with placards and signs insinuating so salon recently published an article that compared president trump criticism in the media to that of hitler protests in london to cry trump and supporters as nazi scum an april democrat presidential hopeful alleged that president rhetoric echoed nazis rhetoric echoed nazis on june 18th don lemon once again deployed this technique and compared president trump to the nazi leader but this goes back to Goldwater. They talk about Bush W. And once again, this is page three, four, five of Google. George W. H. Bush, The Intercept, from 52320. And that's how I found this. Chunk Anger. From the Young Turks. Yes, you're reading that right. George Bush and Adolf Hitler are both war criminals. And you're saying that not voting for either is an election between the two is morally correct position. Because most def- definitively isn't. Come on the show. And let's have a real discussion on it. And they linked this article from The Intercept. George H.W. Bush, 20, 1924 to 2018, American war criminal. It's how they covered his death. 
war criminal. Yeah. Which completes my point. Liberals can use binders, dogs on roofs. <clears throat> you heard the negative fucking ads, folks. What the fuck? It's a it's two days later and it's gone. You ain't black will be gone. It's a joke. It's a gaffe. But when Trump says the Democrats' new hoax is COVID, they say he said COVID's a hoax. That's our latest segue into this. That's that's how they run it. And they can call Nazis, Hitler. I mean, we got op-eds from WAPO. Let me tell you what to think about what he was saying, because you're not smart enough to actually think that what Biden said was fucking racist. So, yeah. Yeah. These people are fucking garbage. So, let's move to a different subject. We're going to cover some COVID really quick. Just a short soundbite-filled <coughs> section. Report nearly 200 illegal aliens freed by federal judges, sex offenders, and killers. Amongst them. New York Times today ran 1,000 obits on the front page. One of them, Hugh Jordan D. Hayes, 27, of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, is described as a generous young man with a delightful grin. News reports, however, also described Jordan D. Hayes, 27, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, as a murder victim found in his car. Was he... Affected before he was murdered? Taylor Kelly, Jesus, what is happening? I really hope that that was done by the ME to get governor funds for labeling a COVID death. If not, we are witnessing the institutionalization of yellow journalism. The last time yellow journalism flourished was the delightful period of the 1880s. They didn't even check it. It's the sixth name. How many more are like this? And people asked, you need at least five more A1 pages for Killer Cuomo, the bad nursing home decision of Cuomo, which wasn't covered. Yeah. Then we have Alyssa Milano. And this is pretty fucking funny, because even my wife was like, what the fuck? In the culture war of masks, show me your mask. Masks keep people safe and healthy. Show me yours. Ready, go. And I see a reply by her. Assholes, mask has carbon filter, so yes, it might be crocheted, but totally safe. She literally was wearing a crocheted mask. So I saw it, and I instantly went to be a smartass. Are you a grandma killer? It has holes. What the fuck are you doing? You're endangering POC. Black grandmas will die. You're a racist. Gee, I channeled you. The dark side is strong in you. It goes through the net into my Pixel phone. And then to a reply, B.S., you are lying. You want black transgender grandmas who want abortions to die. Checks Alyssa's intersectionality scorecard. Twitter decoder. All blocks checked. (laughs) I can't resist it. But by this morning, holy fuck, it became a whole goddamn thing. People... We're literally dogging her and liberal mediaite 
Well, they even covered it. Anna H. Rothstein, the cloth manifestation of hollow virtue signaling. <laughs> Man, that's so fucking good. It's like you might have just put a piece of paper up there, you know. I didn't see anybody say it, but I wanted to, I wanted to reply. Just put a piece of paper. I mean, just just mask. Because that's all you're doing. It's not going to fucking work. And she's got like 600 fucking kids in the car, which I don't know if they're hers or not. But really, Joe Borelli, her mask is knitted from yarn with large holes by her nose. You can see there is nothing under it. Abe Greenwald, if she just waited a little longer, I'm sure they'd have come out with a mask photo app. (laughs) It'll happen. You wait. David Martosco, if I can see your skin through your mask, it's just decorative. It does nothing. Someone please send her a mask that wasn't crocheted. Uh, Aeneas Husky's Ghost, why don't you explain how the mask is going to keep anyone safe and healthy and not just for show when it's knitted? Rasheem Kasim, Alyssa, mask is knitted, not a real mask in any way. This stops. No germs in or out. And this guy's a liberal. If anything, she's increasing her likelihood of catching something as it will just live on her face, which is so true. Uh, Julio Rosa, I honestly can't stop laughing. Ronald Moeller, come on, Julio. You know vapid people are clueless without a sense of irony. This, their self-awareness is sadly lacking. Michael Malice, wouldn't a plastic bag be more effective? <laughs> the funny thing is somebody else literally dug deeper... Milano's husband appears to be wearing a standard N95 mask in the photo, and some years speculate that as a lot of people are doing, Milano has simply put a decorative homemade mask over a more functional M95 one. By the time of this posting, she has not confirmed the speculation. This author's family members wear N95 under homemade decorative coverings for the record. Because somebody went in there and said, well, why is she wearing N95? So, of course, this is Mediate. And they go, oh, maybe they have them, and they're just putting a decorative cover on it. Still trying to protect Alyssa Milano, because that's what Dan Abrams does. He's a lip. So, of course, his website will. Michigan AG brings us our next crazy over just the last couple days. Michigan AG suggests businesses should be prosecuted if they let Trump inside with a mask. Nestler later suggested the president might be barred from the state completely. We're going to bar the president. It didn't happen because Wai Zhejiang, which I misspoke on fucking the other lady, she's the kung flu pirate. The moment you've been waiting for, this is a journalist. The moment you've been waiting for, the president is not wearing a mask while turning the Ford plant in Michigan, even though it's company policy. UAW said he should, should, and the state attorney general wrote an open letter asking me to follow the rules. On his decision to go maskless, I wore one before the president said, but I didn't want to give the press the pleasure of seeing it, Mr. Trump said. At one point, the attorney also wore goggles. The president pulled out a mask and showed he had one and said he thinks he actually looks better with it on. He did not wear it. Ford official statement, Bill Ford encouraged Trump to wear a mask when he arrived. He wore a mask during private viewing of three Ford GTs from over the years. The president had later removed the mask for the remainder of the visit. That's journalism. That's fucking journalism. 
Then Axios, who I was using as a good source, North Carolina reported a single-day highest spike of COVID cases a day after the state began its second phase of reopening. Because all of a sudden they have COVID with 24-hour incubation time. Yeah. But we have more of the you're a piece of shit if you want to go to church. Mia Farrow, Trump's going to kill off his supporters by reopening churches. The entire world said to her, you want that to happen. You hate Trump supporters. Hot take, Republicans want to reopen the country because they believe in the afterlife. Steve Pinker is a cognitive scientist at Harvard, and on Thursday he shared a very hot take via the Washington Post. Because once again, you can do op-eds and stuff in the Washington Post, dog, and Christianity. You just can't do it when you point out that, hey, Islam's got a problem with terrorists. You can't do that. Republicans are evangelicals, right? And the evangelicals believe in the afterlife. And because they believe in the afterlife, they deliberately do things that will shorten their lives, like partially reopening some parts of the country. You read it for yourself. Belief in an afterlife is a malignant delusion since it devalues actual lives and discourages action. That would make them stronger, safer, longer, and happier. Exhibit A. What's really behind Republicans wanting a swift reopening? Yeah. He he wrote that. It's a malignant delusion. Who in the... And, and that that's the kind of stuff that just... I, I, I fucking question all the fucking time why can he say that why so I bookmark it I can't read it because I'm out of free WAPO articles but we'll cover it in seven days in seven days, we're going to cover that article. Because just saying it's a delusion. A delusion. Michael Gardner, you're better than this. Uh, it's actually the opposite, but thanks for playing Social Distance Championship. Said, you're an elitist bigot who can't see past his unearned privilege. If you're getting a paycheck while staying home, shut the fuck up about this driving people to open back up. And I'm not going to read anymore because it's just... Well, I'll read this one. I'm an atheist and I think people want to reopen because they need to pay rent, put food on their table. Maybe these are consideration Mr. Pinker has never had to deal with because that's really what it's about. That's what it's about. Then Governor Newsom, somebody actually pushed him... Responds to allegation he's discriminated against churches. I have a deep faith and devotion to our churches. Bullshit you do. The Church of Progressivism. During an interview on MSDNC rule on Thursday, Governor Newsom was asked about the recent letter the Department of Justice sent him warning governors to not discriminate against churches. These stay-at-home orders are rooted in safety at the Justice Department is now saying your stay-at-home order is discriminating against churches. What's your response? A real ver- journalist wouldn't frame it that way, but okay. I have a deep faith and devotion to our churches. I grew up in a church and went to Jesuit University. 
said Newsom, who declined to say whether he discriminated against religious institutions. I have deep reverence for congregants and parishioners that want to reconnect to their community and to their faith and be able to practice accordingly. We're just a few weeks away from meaningful modifications to allow that just to happen. But the CDC release guidelines, you could. But liberal states still wouldn't. And, and I, you know, I got a couple people liking what I, I said on some tweets on other subjects because... When we went out this week, we went to Kentucky, I think it was after my podcast, and they weren't open, like, not at all. We were in week two of reopening, 50% restaurants. They didn't open restaurants till Friday. You still had a drive-through, and they opened stores to 25% capacity. So, you know... I was in a getting some medicine because I finally got my medically or my uh, doctors prescribed Flonase and my Flomax for my prostate. So life is much better in the fr- prostate. Not that any of you care. But, you know, it's been two weeks since I had any. Um, long story short, uh, African-American liberal guy, me and him, and uh, they were in their 60s. You know, I'm, I'm mid-50s. And we sat and talked. And he did make one point, but he blamed Trump because he's a liberal and, and he hates Trump, but it is confusing. But I don't think it's the federal government that's making it confusing anymore for people. It's local governments. Because within our town, yesterday we went to go get five guys. Now remember, we're in week two of reopening, and and we went over there, it opens at 10, we're going to get a burger and go junking, because the as of Wednesday, antique stores open back up. Well, they didn't open till 11, but they didn't say that on the board. And then we went around trying to get food, and it is St. Bethlehem, very liberal enclave, closer to Nashville. It's called St. Beth, but it's still kind of part of Clarksville, but it's like just, you know, how you go to a major city, and there's the Bronx, there's this, there's that, and there's New York City. Every business was going liberal style. They weren't letting people in. They were only drive-through. And you drive six miles away, and everything's at 50% open. You can eat in the restroom, normal hours, the whole nine yards. So I don't think it's actually Trump's fault things are confusing. I think liberals clinging to, we don't want to open... Well, it's them. And then last night late, um, our last COVID thing, and then we'll play some sound bites and uh, what do I have left? Uh, a couple bombshells, some lighter fare sound bites, and we'll call this a, a done podcast. This was trending on Twitter. And as liberals say, I just can't.
Hey, Tony, you played dead air. No, that's the length of soundbites sent by Nora O'Donnell. Trump golfing. Jonathan Jason Hoffman, CNN photojournalist, ABD Abdallah, CNN, got a shot of President Trump golfing today. He says the president's moving around the course of the golf cart alone, but is golfing with three partners. None of the men are wearing masks. Ah, the culture war. The moment you've been waiting for, Wenja, CBS says. And it tees up, these are the responses you will find on all of the ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSDNC. Patty Rod. You can find her at P-A-T-T-I-R-O-D-55 on Twitter. Yes, yes, America, Trump is golfing. Americans in financial crisis, the GOP on recess for a long weekend. They're not in charge of the House, but she doesn't know that because she's just a sheep. Memorial Day break and Trump enjoying golfing. Heartless Republicans dancing on the graves in America. And there's a picture of mass graves of that kills land, the kills island up there in New York. And somebody put his signature on the coffins. Yeah. So I went to find Obama. So uh, let's just put it this way. Wasn't easy. August 22nd, 2014, White House defends Obama golf outing during crisis. That was Mark Noller. Mark Noller again, President Obama plays a hunt around a golf, draws fires from critics like the critics are bad. Other articles on page 7 or 8 of Google search report eight years of Obama vacations cost $85 million. Trump owns the golf course. Trump uses his own plane. But okay. Obama's fairway fist bump is in good company. U.S. presidents have made their share of tone-deaf culture blunders. This was September 1st, 2014 for Anna E. Green. Web results for just Obama golf. Why President Obama's golf habits doesn't matter. Number one story, Washington Post. White House dismisses the hill. A terrorist horror, the golf, incredulity fuels Obama critics. Opinion, Trump is golfing twice as much as Obama. That's the fourth entry. Trump, 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 Trump. They even got in here. Trump tees up controversy as he plays golf in pandemic. Trump forgets his Obama criticisms. That's page one. Second one, Obama deserves to golf. That was my second search. Trump used to criticize Obama for galting. Now the White House, I think what they're saying, pro-Trump pundits accuse Obama of golfing. President Trump uses golf as a chance to do presidential business. Trumpometer, Barack Obama archives. White House says Trump will criticize Obama for playing. New White House spokesman, Trump critics of Obama. White House defends President Trump. We don't see coronavirus here. Not, I didn't ask about Trump. That was page one, folks. I said, media 
defends Obama's golfing. But it's Trump, because that's how they got out of Tara Reid, that's how they got out of You Ain't Black, that's how they got out of fucking deplorables, but Trump. But Trump. So, some other things. Bombshell, election official, rigged election results for Democrats constituted significant percentage of the total votes, DOJ says. Did you hear this story? Because I sure... The fuck did not hear this story. I got this from the Daily Wire. But I didn't hear it anywhere else. United States Attorney Michael McSwain announced, (coughs) William McSwain, on Thursday that Dominic J. DeMuro, a judge of elections of Philadelphia, had been charged with a pleading guilty to stuffing ballot boxes over the course of several years for fraudulent votes for Democratic candidates in federal, state, and local election. During his guilty plea hearing, DeMuro admitted that an unnamed political consultant gave DeMuro directions and paid him money to illegally add votes for certain Democratic candidates. These candidates were individuals running for judicial offices and campaigns that hired the consultant, as well as other candidates for various federal, state, and local elective office, were who were preferred by this consultant for variety of reason. Not national news, because he has a D. Yeah. Then we have this one. Political leaders who are proponents of extending lockdown and stay-at-home orders while keeping many businesses closed often explain their actions by saying something along the line of it saves one life, it'll then worth it. But of course, there's more than the equation. Doctors in Northern California say they have seen more deaths from suicide than they've seen from the coronavirus. Clay Travis San Francisco Bay Area doctors say they have seen more suicide deaths than corona deaths since the shutdown. Worry about mental health issues becoming worse due to stay-at-home orders. From the article, doctors at John Murr Medical Center in Walnut Creek said they have seen more deaths by suicide during the quarantine period than deaths from COVID-19. The head of the trauma department believes mental health is suffering so much it's time to end the shelter-in-place order. Personally, I think it's time, the doctor said. I think originally this shelter-in-place or whatever was placed to flatten the curve to make sure hospitals have the resources to take care of COVID patients. We have current resources to do that, and our other community health is suffering. Andy NGO. Doctors of John Murr, Blop, Sarah Gonzalez. It's almost like measuring the health of a person includes more than measuring their very small chance of dying from virus. What's bizarre is all is if it saves one life, people won't mention this. They only pretend to care about people dying if it fits their political narrative. Typical McDaniel. Opioid death numbers are also rising. Overdoses are also increasing. But hey, we're just being selfish for wanting to reopen. I said this. Months ago. I said there'll be gay shit, and there's been gay shit, about how poor gays, and their mental health, and they're not getting taken care of, and there'll be something about fucking transgenders somewhere in here, that transgenders were victims of the virus, 
and simultaneously victims of suicide. So I went to try to find something to talk about veteran deaths. But wouldn't you know that there's actually a law that the VA has to report this? They passed it last year, and there's been no reporting? I found veterans' remote mental health appointments skyrocket amid coronavirus outbreak. This is from the Army Times. Uh, Veterans Affairs patients jumped drastically last month and normal medical care appointments were disrupted and veterans forced into self-isolation. Most significantly were mental health care check-ins and consultations conducted over the phone. In February, those totaled about 40,000 appointments. They topped 154,000 in March. CBS 46 Atlanta calls to the VA suicide line increase since coronavirus quarantine. Same thing. Just insane amount of calls. But what did our media talk about? Well, instead of the veteran suicides and hotlines and really the mental health problems, even of gays in the Bay Area, they were too busy bashing opening churches. So here's a montage of churches capped with Chris Cuomo. This was highlighted on the top of Mediate, Dan Abrams' page. Rips demagogue Trump on reopening churches. At my direction, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is issuing guidance for communities of faith. I'm identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogue, and mosques as essential places that provide essential services. Some governors have deemed liquor stores and abortion clinics as essential, but have left out churches and other houses of worship. It's not right. So I'm correcting this injustice and calling houses of worship essential. Regardless of how that plays with separation of church and state, and even if the president has no authority to issue such a decree, Trump's insistence on a rushed reopening flies in the face of what public health experts continue to advise, that this is not a time to become complacent. Let's talk, Gloria, about why the president is doing this and why he's seeing political opportunity here in this pandemic. Uh, He is seeing political opportunity here. Uh, He believes, remember when he told us in April that he was going to open up the churches for Easter Sunday, that it would be a miracle. And I think uh, Kayleigh McEnany herself, when asked a question about opening up the churches uh, by a journalist asking, you know, how can you be sure it's safe? She said, isn't it amazing how many people in this room seem to want to keep those churches closed or something to that effect. And the journalist said, I go to church every Sunday. I object to that. So if you're trying to make this into a uh, faith-based 
plan here versus those who have no faith. That's absurd. And, you know, the second thing, Kelly McEnany was trying to make this into a First Amendment issue, as saying that, of course, people have the right to worship and then said that the president is a great supporter of the First Amendment. Now, we know the president has called the media the enemy of the people uh, time and time again. So this isn't about faith. It isn't about the First Amendment. It is it is about public health and it is about trying to keep people safe. Yeah, this is about politics. This is not about public health, to be clear. Uh, Elizabeth Cohen, what did you think about this guidance? And also, what did you think about Dr. Burks? You know, someone who is not a politician giving credence to this reopening when I have not heard a single public health expert say this is a good idea and that this will not result in people getting sick and dying. You know, I'm no theologian, but religions value human life. They value what God created, which is all of us. And so do you really want to put all of us into one place, even if you do a deep cleaning, even if you don't have a collection plate? This is dangerous, what the president did today, saying that in his direction, the CDC uh, having this guidance for communities of faith. He said identifying churches, synagogues, and mosques as essential places that provide essential services and that he will override governors who do not open churches. To be clear, he does not have that authority, but he certainly can undermine them. He can sow confusion and chaos there. He can maybe even threaten to withhold money. We've heard him talk about doing that. But what he's doing here is seeing political opportunity in this pandemic. From a broad standpoint, I can say that outdoor faith services, including but not limited to drive-in church services, will be welcome in phase three. And we continue to collaborate with faith leaders to ensure that they can hold services in safe and creative ways that allow for worship while protecting their congregants. We're going to continue to operate on the basis of science and data, and I'm as anxious as anybody to make sure that our churches, our mosques, our synagogues uh, open uh, back to where they were uh, before COVID-19 came along. We're gradually moving in that direction, but there's no doubt the most important thing is we do not want parishioners to get ill because their faith leaders bring them together. We hope that faith leaders will continue to do as the vast majority of them have done, which is to worship uh, sometimes online, sometimes in other capacities, as we've talked about outdoor and drive-in. And I mean, it's just heartbreaking to see that favela in Brazil and Bill Neely right in the middle of it. Obviously, I'm I'm concerned about my colleague and friend, but we have to be concerned about you know millions of people in that enormous country who are getting exactly the wrong message from their president. That's right, Andrea. And, you know, here's the thing. I mean, we're having one authoritarian leader here in the United States inform the practices uh, of other authoritarian leaders globally. I mean, this is this is non-scientific. This is non-evidence-based, but it's obviously having a domino effect. So what happens here, clearly people are feeling empowered, leaders are feeling empowered elsewhere to follow suit because the, what the president of the United States says matters, Americans here filled prescriptions for hydroxychloroquine 40 at a rate 46 times higher after the president endorsed it strongly in March. Now Bolsonaro is following suit and following the president's roadmap for who knows what catastrophe in the setting of COVID-19. What President Trump does matters. It matters for his own health. If he's really actually taking hydroxychloroquine, he's putting himself at risk. And obviously his example is putting Brazilians and Americans at risk. And we've already seen the effects here. 
Unfortunately, tens of thousands of Americans have died. So, Nicole, so much to discuss, so little time, and I will just set it up before taking my leave to let you bring on our next two guests. Uh, constitutional law specialists sent scrambling, figuring out how exactly he can override individual state governors. This is not Ike or JFK sending in troops or federalizing the National Guard to enforce um, uh, uh, integration in the South. The virus is not religious. It won't respond to prayer, I'm afraid. <laughs> it loves congregations. That's been demonstrated both here and abroad. These religious gatherings have been sources, sites, where this virus has been transmitted widely. Jim Vandehei, there was some of that um, news conference that jumped out at me, and it was the president invoking abortion clinics and liquor stores, uh, making abundantly clear that this is um, not just about what he says it's about, which it never is with Donald Trump. But but talk about and Axios has had a lot of reporting along the same lines of uh, what the Washington Post reports this morning about Donald Trump seeing these as the battle lines on, on which his reelection will be waged. Aggressive reopenings and defiance in some instances of public health warnings from his own CDC and his own advisors. Um, and on the other side, Democrats who have seemingly hitched their fortunes to science and data. Yeah, like clearly he's trying to adopt a, a bullish stance on, on getting America back to work. You do have to separate what he says and what he does. This idea mm. that I deem all churches open, that's actually not how it works. Like Each state is going to do it state by state. Cities are going to do it. And churches are going to do it. In it's really about making it okay, being fair, rewarding people of faith. No, it's about division and politics. White Christians are not the majority in America, yet religion is a big factor for a huge chunk of Republican voters. And that's what this is about for Trump. And if you don't want to believe that, fine. Give me a better reason. Show me what it's about for him. Show me that it is consistent with anything that he's done around faith or anything else. It is telling how the faithful are responding to this bullhorn from the BS bully pulpit. The Southern Baptist Convention is pleased while the Council on American-Islamic Relations slammed the idea. This president knows he doesn't have the power to follow through on this any more than he can take away money that Congress has already allocated because he doesn't like the way a state is using it. He also knows that everything I'm saying right now doesn't mean a damn to his base, just like it did when he threatened governors with liberating their states and said that the people who went up and spit and yelled in the faces of police were good people. Or just this week when he puffed up his chest to make a stink about mail-in voting. He knows that it's all about being a demagogue. Don't waste the time with slapping the level, the label of being prejudiced or a bigot on this president. The truth is, it's not worth the time. You're not going to change minds on that basis. And you know what? He is arguably something worse. A bigot, prejudice, what is that usually about? Ignorance. People who are raised a certain way, don't know any better, aren't educated, or maybe they're just plain evil. But what's worse than that? Someone who knows that it's not true. But they know that it's powerful. And they know that if you use it, you'll play on someone's animus and prejudice and outrage, and they will follow you. That is called a demagogue. 
And that is what we have to beware today with BS like what we saw today. Now, Zero coverage. They're not going to cover it. They're not going to cover any of it because it doesn't go with the narrative. The narrative is we need to keep this closed. We need to save lives. If it just saves one life, just one life, if we save one life, it'll be worth it. Because really, we just want to make sure the economy is fucked up until November. It has nothing to do with lives. Did they talk about the unconscionable underreporting of nursing homes? Or how Governor Cuomo is really not that good of a guy? No. Well, they did on Fox. I have not seen the coverage of this. You've covered it. Martha's covered it. The New York Post has covered it. This should be one of the biggest stories of this pandemic of 2020. Uh, 20% of our lost loved ones are from nursing homes. And it's because Governor Cuomo and several other governors, by the way, in different states, uh, forced COVID recovering patients into nursing homes. And I am certain at least one of his parents, I believe his dad, uh, before his dad died, a week before his dad died, they called Sean to tell him they were moving him to another floor. And I believe that floor was used for recovering COVID patients. I can't prove that. We can't get any confirmation on any of this. And by the way, he didn't find out until his the death certificate came in that he was COVID. He got a call on a Saturday morning that his dad was not feeling well. And three hours later, he was dead. And his mom, two weeks later, got COVID, was rushed to the hospital, died in the hospital, and her number will not be counted as a nursing home or an assisted living home because of the governor's policy of saying that she died in the hospital, even though it was confirmed COVID. And the fact that I am seeing last night him on another channel uh, making fun, inappropriate jokes, insensitive jokes, cruel jokes. Make no mistake, I'm really glad that Chris Cuomo has recovered from COVID because right. he apparently did have it. And I'm yeah. glad that their family is well, but my family is not well. And that's no. not something. She lost family members. I'll let her just say it for us. No, they're not going to cover it because why would they? So let's do some lighter fare, and I want to close on a serious note, because it is Memorial Day. And though Memorial Day is for all people that have fallen, most Americans do see it about the war dead. So with the New York Times front page, it kind of double uh, hits my point. A, they're going to politicize this for Democrats. B, they never did that for soldiers. I mean, when they were keeping the... The death tote board like Ed McMahon up there during the Trump, uh, the Bush years. I don't remember front page. I remember the politicization of it, but I don't remember front page. So, we'll close on a, this is America that's pretty good. But I got some really good new ones. Now, if you follow the show, I was a sponsor or a crowdfunder for, um, which my wife didn't know was like $100. Range 15. And one of the actors was this uh, Yiddish gal. And she literally was basically just an airhead with uh, fake tits. So for some reason, I I was on looking at a Range 16. They they have a Range 15 has a fucking uh, 
freaking Twitter account still. She's running for Congress. Do you want to make Hollywood great again? Do you want to make social media great again? When someone tells you that the American flag is offensive, do you want to tell them to just go themselves off a cliff? Are you tired of blatant in your face? Holy Look at this hypocrisy. Do you think actors shouldn't get paid to use guns and then complain that we don't need them? Do you ever just want to punch a millennial in the throat and give them something to actually complain about? We have a show for you. I'm Mindy Robinson. You might know me from films as Range 15, Checkpoint, and about a hundred other different things. I'm a conservative actress in Hollywood, and yes, it's as much bullshit as you think it would be. There's finally a show for patriots by patriots. Red, white, and F.E. Unapologetically patriotic. We're going to have comedy sketches, not politically correct, of course, otherwise it wouldn't be funny. Talking points, special guests to interview, investigative articles, everything that you feel like you're not already seeing, we want to do. We want to bring it with a patriotic backbone, and you can be a part of it by clicking on the bullshit below. Red, white, and F.E. My politics are conservative, but how I talk isn't. <laughs> I love that. She's a conservative. Kind of surprised me, though. I don't know if she'll win, but I'll keep up on that. I thought it was kind of good. Going with it is uh, Colombian Good Good. And it's a, of course, Black Rifle Coffee. Same Matt Best stuff. Um, going to play that one. And then I'm going to play tonight's show. They did a Dancing With Myself skit. And all, lo and behold, Billy Idol came out. And I, the dude looks like he's 700 years old. So here's two fun sound bites. Hello friends, how are you? So I decided to take a crack at a new type of video and music content for my channel. What we're going to be doing is you get to pick the genre of music and the topic. Today's topic is something I am very not pleased to be having to make, but we're just going to do it. You see, the thing with rap videos is you don't really care about the lyrics. You just write words on a paper, come up with a cool beat, and then put all the money into the production budget to make you look like you're rich and famous. So my goal in this is to make myself look like the biggest douche canoe I can possibly be. Yes, douche canoe. It's a real word. Look it up. So I am going to try to look like the biggest idiot possible and uh, throw some hot beats down as the kids. Uh, just roll the video. We'll just roll the video. Good. 
one which will take us straight into our This Is America segment. With how shitty our media is, with Obamagate, Flingate, whatever the fuck we're calling it, I did not know, I played part of the soundbite, but I didn't play the whole soundbite of the press secretary schooling the media. Well, lo and behold, they busted out PowerPoint on that ass and did a slideshow. And I just think, think it's classic. So, We'll go to that. You'll hear the bumper for This is America. And I think you'll figure out this Memorial Day weekend what I'm angling to with those sound bites. I laid out a series of questions that any good journalist would want to answer about why people were unmasked um, and, and all sorts of questions. And I just wanted to follow up with you guys on that. Did anyone take it upon themselves to pose any questions about Michael Flynn and un- unmasking the President Obama spokesperson? Oh, not a single journalist has posed that question. Okay. So I would like to lay out a series of questions, and perhaps if I write them out in a slide format, maybe we're visual learners and you guys will follow up with journalistic curiosity. So number one, why did the Obama administration use opposition, opposition research funded by a political organization and filled with foreign dirt to surveil members of the Trump campaign? Number two, why was Lieutenant General Michael Flynn unmasked. 
not by the Intel community entirely, but by Obama's chief of staff, by the former vice president, Joe Biden, by Susan Rice, by the Treasury Secretary. I mean, this is extraordinary. And, you know, if it were political appointees in the Trump administration, I can guarantee you I'd have questions in my inbox right now, but apparently Obama's spokesperson does not. Why was Flynn's identity leaked in a criminal act? It is a criminal act to leak the identity of Michael Flynn to the press, but it happened. Where are the questions to Obama's spokesperson? Because my team would be running around this building should this have happened under the Trump administration. Why did the DOJ, Sally Yates, learn about the unmasking from President Obama? So much for going by the book, as Susan Rice said three times. Thou doth protest too much, Susan Rice. And then finally, question number five. Why did James Clapper, John Brennan, Samantha Power, and Susan Rice privately admit under oath they had no evidence of collusion while saying the opposite publicly? It's a long weekend. You guys have three days to follow up on those questions, and I certainly hope the next time I ask, some hands go up, because Obama's spokesperson should be asked those questions, because President Trump's spokespeople certainly would be. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. I got the strap. Thinking today and observing a Memorial Day that will be happening tomorrow. I just talked with Lieutenant Colonel Steve Burke, who was a casualty officer with the Marines and had to tell people. And um, I, 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 I back, sorry. Um, I think it's interesting because it is, I think, very difficult to talk about the war dead and the fallen without invoking valor, without invoking the words heroes. Um, and. Why do I feel so comfortable about the word hero? I feel comfortable, uncomfortable about the word hero because it seems to me that it is so rhetorically proximate to justifications for more war. <laughs> um, and I don't want to obviously desecrate or disrespect the memory of anyone that's, that's fallen. And obviously there are individual circumstances in which there is genuine and tremendous heroism of, you know, hail of gunfire and rescuing fellow soldiers and things like that. But it seems to me that we, we marshal this word in a way that um, is problematic. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Do you know that those countries with universal health care, you talk to business people there, they love having universal health care. You know why? Because they don't have to pay for it. Their companies, they don't have to actually think about it. When they're starting a small business, they don't have to have this huge expense of paying for people, right? When they're trying to recruit people to their small businesses, they don't have to deal with this problem of people not wanting to leave a big company because they're going to lose their health care. It is actually better to live in a decent society. And when Americans start to wake up to that in greater numbers, it's going to be a great day. The new show is called Seat at the Table on Vice TV. Anand Girdilas, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And I'm keeping them honest there, that show is going to be must-watch television. Now when you talk about choice, there's also I mean, one of the segments on your program recently, there, it was called, I think, The War on Government. There's a pretty sizable movement uh, among supporters of the president that seems pro-freedom. It also seems anti-government. We recently had uh, 
the uh, author and professor Tom Nichols on, and he said, you know what, the, that freedom is confused with the type of freedom that children have. But you also went on in your program and talked about how there is a certain tyranny in life with no government at all. Explain that. You know, many Americans have a childlike understanding of freedom, as you say. Um, and what that consists of is an understanding of freedom, which in many ways goes back to our founding, um, of freedom obsession, I would say, these, these Americans have, in which freedom is defined as the absence of government. Now, or government doing as little as possible, or government leaving you alone. Now, I would be the first to say that is an element of freedom. There's a whole bunch of things, right, uh, that I don't want the government intervening in my life, and I share that. I think everyone listening to this would share that. But for a great number of Americans with this infantile understanding of freedom, that is it. That is freedom. Freedom is being left alone by government. And it's being paranoid about government being way more interested in you than you are actually interesting, right? It, government's coming for your guns. Government's coming to, you know, regulate your food away. Government's coming to, you know, uh, tell you who and who you can meet. Government's coming to manipulate you through, you know, its allies and the fake news. I mean, this kind of paranoid attitude. Government coming to get you. And the point we made on the segment was what this has done is obscure the way in which a large aspect of human freedom is actually not threatened by government, but by private actors, right? A bank screwing you over, speculating in ways that lead to you losing your home is also a threat to your freedom. It doesn't mean government's not a threat to your freedom, but the threat can also come from over there, right? A company dumping toxic chemicals into the creek where your kids play is also threatening your freedom and their freedom. But it's not government. And what we have often failed to understand as a culture, and certainly these millions of Americans who feel this way, is that when the threats actually come from private actors, your best bet against those kinds of threats are the government. If you are hungry because you're paid 7 bucks an hour instead of 15 the government is your best bet to make sure you get paid 15. There's not, there's not another easy way to make that happen. And so this childlike freedom obsession that tens of millions of Americans unfortunately have is literally killing us in this pandemic. Yeah. That's uh, Chris Hayes, pretty much what our media does. And some other jackasses, that guy with the fucking gray hair, Grigabagabas, fake patriots. Well, during this time, <clears throat> we will find that suicides among vets were increased, but you already saw they ignored LGBT suicides on the uptick in San Francisco, which, with the preponderance of LGBT in that area and a higher percentage of gay people there, there must have been gay people there, but they're not going to cover it, and they won't cover the vets. But on this show, <clears throat> we will cover... The fallen during the pandemic who were in theater and were ignored by the media. Marine Corps Gunnery Sergeant Diego D. Pongo died March 8, 2020, serving during Operation Inherit Resolve. 34 years old of Simi Valley, California, 
while clearing a tunnel complex of Islamic State fighters in Makmur Mountains in southern Iraq. Captain Moses A. Nave, 34, was also killed in the incident. Both Marines were assigned to the 2nd Marine Raider Battalion, Marine Force Special Operations Command, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Pongo's personal awards include a Bronze Star Medal with Combat Distinguishing Device, Purple Heart, two Navy and Marine Corps commendations. Novice had the Marine Corps Achievement Medal, Combat Action Ribbon, two Good Conduct Medals, and the Military Outstanding Volunteer Service Medal, the Human Humanitarian Service Medal, the National Defense Service Medal, Guat Medal, and Guat Expeditionary Medal. Marine Corps Corporal Aloiza Zavala died March 10, 2020. 20 of Sacramento, California. He died March 10th in an incident involving a medium tactical vehicle replacement truck in the United Arab Emirates. Zavala was serving with the Combat Logistic Battalion 13 and exercised native fury as a motor vehicle operator deploying from Camp Pendleton. The incident's under investigation. Her awards include National Defense Service Medal and a Quat Service Medal. You, you, one U.S. Marine was killed and two others were injured in this. <clears throat> Corpora Zavala was pronounced dead at the scene. Air Force Staff Sergeant Marshall D. Roberts died March 11, 2020, serving during Operation Inherent Resolve. 28 years old of Owasso, Oklahoma. He died in a rocket attack on Camp Taji, Iraq. Army Specialist Juan Miguel Menendez Coravavas was also killed in the incident. Roberts was assigned to the 219th Engineer Installation Squadron of the Oklahoma Air National Guard. <clears throat> the military on Friday identified the two U.S. troops killed in the rocket attack on Camp Taji in Iraq. As Specialist Juan Miguel Menendez Carabas of Hanford, California, and Air Force Staff Sergeant Marshal D. Roberts of Owasso. Menendez Carabas was assigned to 1st Battalion 227 Aviation Regiment out of Fort Hood. Roberts was assigned the 219th Engineer Installation. <clears throat> the third service member killed in the attack, UK Lance Corporal Brody Gallon, 26 was previously identified by the British military. The International Military Coalition is capable and credible because of warriors like Juan, Brody, and Marshall. Army Sergeant First Class John David Randolph Hitley, 44, of Bowie, Maryland, died March 30, 2020 in a non-combat incident in Erbil, Iraq. He was assigned to the 1st Battalion 227 Aviation Regiment, 1st Air Cavalry Brigade, 1st Cavalry Division out of Fort Hood. The Defense Department did not release any details of Hitley's death and incidents and is under investigation. Hitley's award includes the Broad Star Medal, Joint Service Commendation Medal, 4 ARCOMS Campaign Medal for Iraq and Afghanistan, as well as the Korean Defense Service Medal. 
Army Sergeant Christopher Wesley Curry, 23, of Terre Haute, Indiana, died May 4, 2020, in a non-combat incident in Erbil, Iraq. The incident's under investigation. He was assigned to 3rd Battalion, 21st Infantry Regiment, 1st Striker Brigade, Combat Team, 25th Infantry Division, out of Alaska. The Pentagon has released the name of U.S. Army Alaska soldier who died in Iraq on Monday. Sergeant Christopher Wesley Curry, 23, from Terre Haute, died in a non-combat incident in our bill. The incident is under investigation. However, officials said in an earlier statement that COVID-19 is not suspected of the cause of death. He was an infantryman deployed in Operation, Oper- Operation Inherent Resolve. The mission to defeat the Islamic State was assigned to 3rd Battalion, 21st Infantry Regiment, 1st Striker Brigade. In this article, American portion of the coalition has also suffered 146 wounded in action this year from January and March. Army 1st Lieutenant Traverius Ravon Bowman, 25 of Spartanburg, South Carolina, died May 19, 2020, for the non-combat-related incident at Bagram Air Force Base, Afghanistan. The incident's under investigation. Bowman was assigned to Company B-198 Signal Battalion, 261st Signal Brigade. Bowman's awards and decoration include the Army Reserve Component Achievement Medal, the ARCOM Medal, Afghan Campaign Medal. The Pentagon announced the death of a U.S. soldier at Bagram Air Force Base. As First Lieutenant Traverius Ravon Bowman, 25, from South Carolina, on a non-combat-related incident, the Defense Department sent a press release. Officials said the incident is under investigation and did not release any other detail on the cause of death. The article is closed. Please keep the service members in his unit in your thoughts and prayer, as well as his family as they work through this difficult time. May God be with their families. We'll see you all on the LZ. Shame on the media and shame on me. I didn't even see them. I went to military.com and would look for stuff, but there wasn't a whole lot of reporting on any of this. This all happened during the pandemic and the suicides. It'll take me months to dig them up. But we won't cover that because that doesn't fit our narrative. And if anything this show shows, it's all narrative. And it depends on who's writing the narrative. So, I hope you all have a enjoyable, <clears throat> family-oriented Memorial Day, I know we will be going to pay our respect to the um, many displays they have on post. That's our plan for tomorrow. Because most of the cemeteries have a whole bunch of rules you got to prescribe to. So this wraps up another episode and a special episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. My brother in Oregon, Matt, he smart-assly said, hey, here's an email. I listened to the end, so thanks for that, Matt. 
<laughs> you can get this show on SoundCloud, Pocket Static, Tuna Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and Downcast. Remember, check out the Facebook page of FOP Podcast, the Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. We're going to push our next podcast to the 29th of May, Year of the Lord 2020, which is next Friday. Until then, once again, have an enjoyable Memorial Day. Disconnect from your devices. Spend time with your family. And remember the fallen military and civilian. For those that have lost people for COVID, my prayers will be with you because that's any loss of a family member is a horrible loss. And I by no means try to diminish that on the show when I talk about them lying about who died and who didn't die of the disease. Um, <clears throat> I know people have lost people and it's sad. So my prayers will be with you. Tune back in next Friday for another episode. And as always, thanks for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Thank you.